Is there anything to be concerned about when we talk about a fourth dose, a fifth dose, a sixth dose, that sort of thing? And does it depend on uh, shifts in coronavirus itself if we see more variants, that sort of thing? A fourth dose, a fifth dose, a sixth dose. Well, so you asked actually a very important question. You know, is this because the mRNA technology is not holding up in terms of long-term durability, or is it just because this Omicron variant is so different from anything like we've seen? It may be some combination of the two. the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, January 2nd, 2021. Thank you for joining me today. And it might actually have a blizzard here today. It's tornadoes yesterday and it was like 70 degrees and now it's freezing and we're having blizzards. It's just totally normal the way the world works today. We have a really important show with a really specific topic today around not just I, I was actually, it's funny enough, I was actually overlooking the concept of mass, not overlooking, but mass psychosis is everywhere today because of the Joe Rogan and uh, uh, Dr. Malone interview. And you know that we've been talking about mass psychosis for a long time. In fact, trying to get an interview with Desmond way back when that was something nobody was talking about. And I just saw a lot of great people talk about this. So I figured it, it's redundant to a degree. But now that it's on that interview and it's reaching half the country, it's everywhere. And so I almost went out of my way at first to try to like not do the same thing. And then I kind of realized that there's a great point to be made here today using the things we've already been discussing and the current, basically the implosion of these narratives today. And that's specifically around masks, which you've all seen. Lena Wen comes out and says, though, those cloth masks don't work at all. And now suddenly they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> we've been saying they did the whole time. And now it's like, it's accepted in the media that they don't, but it was because we didn't know. It's really ridiculous. Despite all the evidence we've been showing you from day one, it's still valid to this day. And we'll review some of that today. Myocarditis is another one. I mean, it's you all know this because of our work, because of people like Dr. Peter McCullough, a lot of people that are showing you that this is undeniable. I mean, this is alarmingly high, what's going on around just children specifically, specifically boys around 15 to 20. But then the whole category is like 20 something to 80. It's like the whole category. It's ridiculous. And that the myocarditis rate amongst people who have the injection is exponentially increased. And that is in no connection. In no way does the idea that they claim the increase after COVID, in no way is that related to this conversation. They're not the same thing. You have to get the injection and then it's immediate. On the other case, you get COVID and then it may happen. The immediate risk with myocarditis is instant. Why would you increase your risk with a heart problem to, to try not to possibly get something in the future. I mean, it's, it's illogical. And then, of course, there's natural immunity. We're going to talk about again today to show you, and the only reason we're doing them again today is not to reiterate the same point, but to show you that they're right this moment, like the last so many days, dissolving in front of you. They are imploding. And I think that's because of the work that you've been doing and the work in the independent media. Now, we're the point was of mass psychosis, to go back to the beginning, is we're going to start with a point and, and show you a very, very clear example of mass psychosis in the, in the context of how they're all screaming. It's a far-right extremist illusion that they're trying to paint to claim this or that, and it's you know jamming it into the two-party paradigm. It's really insulting the way they try to 
basically fine tune this down to the alt right and their mass psychosis. It's just all the the majority of the country that doesn't associate with either party is going like you guys are pretty stupid because nobody. It's just obvious that this is not the fringe weird side thing that only exists in the Republican camp. They just that's what they want this to look like. It's very clear. Now we're going to paint all that picture for you today and show you how this is happening, not just because of mass psychosis, but because of the illusion that's been painted around this and how mass psychosis has been driving this to be something that's very easy for the average person to accept because they fall into a category that makes it everybody around you pats you on the head and the shoulder and says, good job, you're doing the right thing. And you may convince yourself of that. Now to start off, as always, we're going to go over some interesting foreign policy points or a couple of them, and then jump right into an interesting psychosis discussion and then leads us into the larger point of the conversation today. So stay tuned to the end. As always, there's never an end of important things to get into, but sadly, as we have been showing, as Robert's been writing about exactly what he thought happened, did happen. Israel celebrates the new year by dropping bombs on Gaza. Now, remember the story that we just discussed, the, 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 the article Robert just wrote that discussed the rockets that flew. And again, as always, pointing out that nobody has ever done any due diligence on whether we actually know where they actually came from. Is it possible it was Islamic Jihad? Yeah. Is it possible it was Hamas? Of course. They have rockets and they have fired them. And we've made that very clear. But just because that's possible doesn't mean by default that you bombed generally Gaza because there were some rockets that fell in the ocean which is what happened. Sort of how they always, the joke we used to make all the time is that, you know, enemy number one over there seem, of the Palestinians seems to be those empty fields. Seeing as how every single time there's reported rockets that they land an empty field and nobody was hurt. And then they just bomb, bomb multiple locations in civilian Gaza, because that makes sense. That, which by the way, is an undeniable war crime because it's collective punishment. If you don't know who fired it, you're just going to arbitrarily bomb an entirely, the most densely civilian populated plan, place on earth. Apparently <laughs> it's all good. As long as you're on the good guy side. But just note that this happened, just like they expected, based on rockets that fell in the ocean. Even if they did fire them, don't forget, they're an occupied territory. So under the Geneva Conventions in the United Nations, continually shows they have the right to armed rebellion. You see how this works? So no matter what narrative you spin, this is a crime in every sense of the word. And your government doesn't care. That's just the reality that we're in. But now that we've established that that's continuing to happen around all of this, Jumping into some other important points, really just a one that I thought was kind of humorous, but I like that I shared this in my Discord today as well. This is my new desk sign for 2022. It reads, nope, not today. I just love that because it just, for me, it kind of brings my mind down to the moment. Right now, right this day, what are the wins that we can take right now, right? What can you stand in the way of today? Not tomorrow, not long-term. You think of those things too. But right now in this moment, what are you able to do in your life, in your world, or physically that can literally stop what's trying to happen, right? Think like that. And that's what I, that's my work. That's how I see it every day. Not today. As long as I'm here and I'm doing this show, not today. One day at a time, guys. That's the idea. One day at a time, we are taking back what is ours. Stay the course. You are making a difference and you are not alone. That's the important part. Of course, don't miss the pirate flag in the back. This wasn't staged or anything. I just shot my desk. I thought that was cool. Because the funny thing is that's actually the alcohol set up back there because I don't drink. So I figured let's just jam the pirate flag in there. Perfect. T-Lab Pirate Streams, which we're doing a new channel today, actually. For those that don't know, by the way, since I mentioned it, we do T-Lab Pirate Streams where people can reach out, send me their YouTube channel, and I will broadcast onto that like old school pirate radio because YouTube the people on YouTube that are still lost, they still need to see this information. 
but I will never use YouTube again as a platform as a as a user like having making a my no, a new account because they're broken and and terrible. They're one of the biggest parts of the problem today. But if you'd like to be a part of that to help reach those people and hopefully as you go elsewhere, send me your credentials and add it to the list. Now, you may have seen on another side note before we jump into the beginning of the mass psychosis point is that there was somebody censored recently. Now, that's not new where we are right now. It doesn't make it any less important. It happens and it's wrong. It shouldn't be happening. But this is different because it's a politician. Now, regardless of what you think of that politician, it shouldn't matter, mind you. Like, that's what's crazy today is that they, we have actually been pushed into a position where people are absolutely okay with censorship as long as it's someone they don't agree with. Which is just, I mean, think about how reductively ignorant that is. Like, so you're okay with that? You're okay with acknowledging a situation that could easily swing back and censor you tomorrow? Apparently, they just somehow factor in their mind that they don't think it'll happen to them. As you know, many points I've made about people on the internet, people in independent media that have done the same thing, screaming about how that guy, usually in the beginning of COVID, saying, oh, you vaccines and you're against vaccines, censor that guy. And then two weeks later, they get censored for some foreign policy video and they're crying online about how that happened. Yeah, that's how that works, guys. You, censorship is wrong all the way around. This is a censorship of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think it's Marjorie, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Obviously, a, Rep a Republican, a, a politician. They claim she said a bunch of COVID-19 misinformation. Well, we know what category that, everything falls in that category today. Regardless, think about how crazy it is, as Glenn points out. Having an unelected tech oligarch ban an elected member of Congress. How is this where we are? I mean, we saw it happen with Trump, the president. It's just incredible. What does this show you? What do you see? Who has the power here? If you can literally, and let's not be, let's not pretend, Twitter is clearly the focal point of conversation today when it comes to pretty much everything. And that's, the, that's not what I want. That's just the way that it's become. And we should fight against that because that's a problem because that's how they control the flow of information. They kick you out of the circle. So we have a, a, a somebody, some a, a, an entire grouping of people out, the constituent outs, the constituency out there that put her in place, at least under the narrative. Let's not don't forget my belief that I don't think that this is actually how this all works. This is what it looks like to argue within the narrative, even from an abstract way. I don't think your vote counts. Oh no, you're not supposed to say that. It doesn't. It's all a big scam, guys. And I've been proving this for the last ten years. Anyway, the point, nonetheless, is let's pretend that she was elected inside the two party paradigm to reach those people. They're still censoring her. <laughs> the point is these these oligarchs, these technocrats are in control from a very clear perspective. That doesn't mean, let's say, that they necessarily have control over foreign policy. Maybe. The point is it's obvious they can control who gets to speak, the flow of information. And that is the number one currency today, as we should all know. As Corbett's been saying, data is the new oil. This is the flow right here. Now, to start off with an interesting point in regard to the mass psychosis conversation, I want to make a quick point about a nurse. or oh, This is a, one specific nurse, but a larger discussion about how we have been okay, or we, we a lot of people have, have been convinced it's okay to fire people for not taking a medical intervention, whether it's experimental, unapproved, or otherwise. Firing those people. And then don't forget, in the midst of what's currently happening, actually pretending it's only because Omicron, even though it's always been like this, pretending that, oh, we need to bring them back in because these people are who are triple vaccinated, triple injected are all getting sick. And then weirdly, the ones that we're bringing back in that didn't get any are not sick and we're bringing them into work and they're not getting sick. How interesting is that? And same with firefighters. They're fi bringing back in people they fired because they needed them, right? This, this, this is a constant.
And the reality here is that we're going to look at one nurse, an Iowa nurse, found unconscious while on duty in Florida. Hospital surrenders license. Now, you may think you know where this is going. And no, this is not going in any direction in regard to the collapsing athlete. We will get into that today. The collapsing everything, for that matter. Somebody commenting about Greenwald in the chat. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, obviously, I, I think he's some of these people are some of the last people you should trust. It doesn't make their point not right, <laughs> right? Who cares who said it? doesn't really matter as long as the point makes sense and it's accurate. Or I guess it's not the way to say that. The point is, is what he said, is the text what he, that he wrote correct? Do we agree with that? So it doesn't really matter who said it, right? That's the point. But we should consider that these people are manipulators. Not, not saying I know that for sure, but somebody like, for instance, like an Alex Jones, you know my opinion on that. Nonetheless, if something was put out that I thought was valuable, I would still point at it, discuss it, and talk about it, and then still say, well, I don't trust that person. doesn't mean you dismiss what they're saying. Not to suggest that's what people are saying in the chat, but important point to make. A lot of people tend to dismiss things because that person said them. That means you fell into the trap. That's what that means. But Iowa nurse found unconscious while on duty in Florida. Hospital surrenders license. So what we're seeing here is somebody who is taking drugs from patients. An Iowa licensed nurse has agreed to surrender her license after being found unconscious with a suspected drug overdose while working in a Florida hospital. Now, it says, according to the Tennessee board, which is interesting, what your note here is this goes through three different locations in four different hospitals. I mean, this is, it's, it's ridiculous. According to the Tennessee board, Bailey, Bailey was working on a pediatric ward of a Williamson Medical Center in Franklin, Tennessee in June 2020. So during the so-called pandemic, when a drug audit indicated she had pulled narcotic medications for multiple patients and documented administering the drugs before they were removed. So pretended to give them to them and then just took them for herself. And, and then established had also established a pattern of nullifying or voiding more than two dozen drug transactions involving whatever she was trying to take. In this case, this says Benadryl, but I think the point was narcotics is what they're getting into. One month later, while working in the transplant unit of the Vanderbilt University Medical Center, right, so a new place, a drug audit indicated Bailey had administered medications not ordered by a physician, had pulled clusters of medications for multiple patients at once, and a documented administering the drugs before the drugs were removed from the medication cart, she was then fired. Okay, so now we're on, we're two times fired. Here's the third time. Four weeks later, while working as a tribal nurse for maximum healthcare staffing, four weeks later, after being tw fired twice for stealing drugs and being caught doing that, she's hired again. <laughs> this is some fantastic stuff. A temporary staffing agency based in Florida, was assigned. she was assigned to work as at Advent Health Celebration, a hospital in Orlando. While on duty there, she was found unconscious with hospital narcotics in her possession. She was hospitalized for a suspected overdose and was fired days later for stealing patients' narcotics. The third time, caught with drugs, stolen from patients, fired. Then rehired twice. A Tennessee board, has, they, first they suspended her license in May. So that wasn't enough, apparently, to take her license. Yeah, I suspended her license. We're just going to look into it. In July, then, they accused her of providing the, the board with false information and then they had her surrender her license. Okay, so the point here, guys, is to look at how ridiculous this is. This is the kind of person that gets to run rampant in the system when you fire everybody with integrity, everybody who's willing to stand by their principles. Whether or not you think they're conspiracy theorists or wrong or unformed or anti-science, they were people that chose to stand by what they believed in in the face of criticism. That's people with integrity and principle. So what happened was you fire all those people and now you got drug addicts running rampant, at least in this case, around hopping from hospital to hospital because they're desperate for people. 
And that's what happens. Now, why is this happening? Because people are lost. Because some of these people actually believe they're doing the right thing. Some of them are just sociopathic maniacs that are happy to take the power on. But either way, this is being allowed because of the situation that we're in. So I just want to make the first point to realize that the nurses that are left, or just the people that are left in this situation, or rather, even our, the point was, are the bad ones in my eye. But on top of that, let's recognize the fact that this is the person that gets continually rehired. Caught stealing drugs and taking them, fired. Rehired. Caught taking drugs, stealing them, taking them, fired. Rehired. Twice. In the context of this pandemic, they say. Twice. And yet we're going to fire somebody one time for refusing an injection that they... I mean, come on. You get the point. This is overwhelmingly obvious to me. And this is what I think is happening right now. Is that we are getting rid and, and, and pushing away the people that are going to stand up for what's right. As Stacy points out, on a side note, people can now go to work or anywhere else, any other context you want to add, with, quote, asymptomatic COVID, which is just what they're calling it. You can, say, you can believe that's what it is. You can believe it's a false positive. You can believe whatever you want. You know all of those could be the case. I don't think asymptomatic COVID is even really a thing because of everything we've seen based on the data, including the largest study on asymptomatic spread on 10 million people. They found 300 people with asymptomatic COVID, meaning they tested positive, but none of them were transmissible after being tested. Why? They didn't have symptoms, which is the point. So just so we're unaware of what that whole quote, that's I think why she's putting in the quotes. Anyway, but people are being allowed with that. They can be told, oh, you're sick. Oh, but you got the vaccine and you don't have symptoms. Go ahead. You're good then but they get fired for not taking the vaccine, right? So this is the biggest pandemic in a century, we're told. And you're telling me people have it. They have it. But go ahead and go to work, though, because you have the injection that's supposed to do something, but we've proven doesn't. Yeah, that makes sense. Now we see, I shouldn't say proven doesn't do anything, obviously, because that'll give people the reason to jump on it. Obviously, the point was it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't do what they said it does. It doesn't even show to reduce symptoms largely right now, based on all the data that we have. Not opinion, not stated ver things from CDC or media talking points, but actual real-world peer-reviewed data that shows from the UK, from Scotland, from all the locations, from Ontario, that's not what's actually happening. But it says, now we see clearly the purpose of the past two years of misery, universal vaccination unrelated to stopping COVID. Her opinion, but I agree. This brings us to the point of mass psychosis. Now, here is another clip from Joe Rogan's show with, with uh, Dr. Malone. I'll play this clip real quick and then make a very, very clear example of what mass psychosis looks like in the context of COVID-19 right now. Listen to this, though, because this is an important clip. And again, as I've said before, you guys watch this show. You've heard all of this. I mean, I, I think there's only one thing in the entire interview between them that you didn't hear on my show in the past two years. And that's only because we've been on this for you this whole time. And you have been sending us stuff this whole time. People like Malone and others are, are beginning to see the illusion that's been there, which makes me very, very happy. You know how hard it must have been for people in that field to overcome what they have been taught? I mean, really think about that and think of how commendable it is for some of these people to not, over, not only overcome that, but then have to confront the entire community of people that turn around and call them crazy. And yet they still do it. Now, that doesn't mean somebody in that situation might not be somebody doing that to manipulate. I know a lot of people see some of them that way. Could It's certainly possible. But nonetheless, there are some of them out there that are doing this because they're fighting for you. And I think that's incredibly commendable. You can pick the, which one you think I'm talking about. It doesn't really matter. Now, let's listen to this clip because this is really important. Basically, European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. 
you know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it. I'm not sure if maybe you didn't hear me there. I just want to make sure I was clear. Maybe I, you might have heard me, but I was just saying in case it cut out in the beginning, he's talking about Germany, you know, 1920s, 30s, Nazis discussion and the idea of mass mass psychosis or as he's as has been coined, I guess, by the mainstream media, mass formation psychosis. Pretty sure Desmond calls it mass formation. Me and, uh, and plenty of others, Chris Martinson, are just simply using mass psychosis, which seems to make more sense. But mass formation, I believe, is the way that this, for, but now it's become mass formation psychosis, whatever. But this is what they're talking about in Germany and how it's been used in the past. Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other, and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense. We can't understand it. And then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis. They literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you, I and I alone. Okay, can fix this problem for you. Okay, then they will lead. They will follow that person through. It doesn't matter whether they lie to him or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. <clears throat> this is central to mass formation psychosis, and this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining. The world doesn't make sense blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. Sorry about that, guys. That's weird. Anyway, all I was saying was, uh, I'm still here, don't worry. All, all I was saying was that I completely agree with that. And I do think that mass formation 
is obviously a huge part of this, if not the entirety of it. But I do think that this is there's there's a lot of other factors involved. But you can the point I was making is you go all the way back to 2016 at the very least, and you can see how this has been something that's been going on for a long time, a long time. The whole election with Trump and everything got absolutely crazy. And you heard me say this quite a lot. You heard me discuss the idea of, you know, I asked the question, when did it shift to where people who disagree with you politically were like the enemy? Not just that we disagreed or even that I hate you. You literally became like the threat, like a terrorist level threat that we have to get rid of. And we all saw that, at least that they were aggressively trying to get that to happen. At least you saw it in the extreme parties, two party paradigm. Right. So this is not new and it's very clearly happening. We all need to see that. Now, what's crazy is that they're addressing this discussion in the two-party paradigm as like its own form of psychosis. It's actually, it's actually kind of humorous to me as they point at it and say, this isn't real, but kind of allude to how they're going through the same thing that we just said wasn't real. It's, it's kind of hilarious, but it's, it's exactly what you'd expect from the two-party illusion or those that are invested in its continuation, right? It's ridiculous. A group like the Daily Dot <laughs> just happens to be the one that showed up. With 164,000 followers, mind you, yet they put this out yesterday, and look at the look at the engagement. Mostly quoted tweets, so it's people who are basically quoting it and saying this is ridiculous. Or and I can show you those as well. The point is, this is this is not what the engagement you get. I mean, I don't think anybody agrees with this. Here's what it says: like even this is the point. Even people in the two party paradigm are like, wait a minute. <laughs> I kind of agree that there's mass psychosis, but you try, you're trying to drive me into a far left, far right conversation here. And I think it's waking people up to the illusion of the two party paradigm. It says the far right is convinced that the United States is just like Germany in the 1920s and 30s. Well, first of all, that's not even remotely what the argument was. He's simply using the, the, the 20s and 30s as an analogy to compare to where we are. But they just kind of clumsily take that as a one point and go, they all think this one simplified thing. Look at how dumb they all are. And that's how ignorant this is. Like, like na- not naive. I mean, it's childish. I use that word all the time in this context because it's childlike. Are you really going to pretend that, first of all, that anyone anywhere that talks about mass psychosis is, first of all, far right? And then secondly, that it's only that they think this one thing and that they only believe this because an anti-vaxxer said so on Joe Rogan's show? I mean, Really? Like, are we going to pretend that the Daily Dot reached out to everybody around the country that has this opinion and asked, are you a Republican? Do you believe it only was Germany? Do you believe it was only because Joe Rogan said? I mean, it's just so childish. I'm not at a far right. I don't. I, I think people far right and far left are equally ridiculous. But apparently I'm a far right person because I agree that mass psychosis is happening. You see how stupid that is? But they don't care. All they're trying to reach with this are the fringe people on the far left to get them to attack the far right and to keep them divided. And to point at one or the other as the majority, depending on who's in power. And that's how it keeps going. The far right is convinced that this is just like Germany. Well, first of all, it's pretty clear that you can make obvious parallels. So too have a lot of Holocaust survivors, but who cares about that? So first of all, that's a stupid argument. And on top of the far right point, but to believe that it's only because this guy said so on the show is the way they do all their fact checks. It's not that we've researched mass psychosis or discussed this with Desmond uh, or uh, uh, Matthias Desmond, or you know the the professor who's discussed this is where most of this is coming from, or that there's obvious correlation between how people are not paying. I mean, you could draw a thousand very valid points to this, 
And none of that matters simply because this guy said it. Then let's address the ridiculous claim that this guy is an anti-vaxxer. I mean, how ignorant do you have to be to walk away thinking that? Not only has he overtly said the opposite, so then they're just going, he's secretly lying, and we're going to pretend that that assumption is the truth because two-party paradigm. But the guy has an entire career around vaccination, which is, by the way, why a lot of people on, I guess, the side of you know, I don't know. There's so many different actual sides in this, but people would look at him and say, I don't trust him because he worked with vaccinations or because he got the injection. Well, I think my point in the beginning, it shouldn't matter whether you trust him if you're just digesting the information, right? It matters, obviously, but in the context of just looking at the data, look at it first, then decide. But just it digest how ridiculous this truly is. And this brings us to the point of a real world vivid example of what mass psychosis looks like. Now, this You've already seen because we already talked about this. Now, you've again, this, I think this popped up in some recent conversations, and that's why a lot of these things get pushed back into my view because we see them come up again on the social media when they kind of get addressed again by some of the more mainstream independent media. But we talked about this back in November, like right after this came out. And I believe it was because some, one of you guys sent it to me in the chat. Now, it says November 8, 2021. Association of self-reported COVID-19 infection. So people that are saying I had COVID without knowing for sure, which by the way, you should also add to, I don't, there's it's a, a good point to add that it's possible you don't ever know for sure, because we've never seen, in my opinion, valid proof that this has been isolated using Koch's postulates. That's a very valid statement that anybody honest will be able to look back on and say, yep, that's the truth. Despite the fact they tried to make it misunderstood. And said, well, that's not really the gold standard anymore, while claiming it kind of was met. And I've shown you every time people point to these studies, I've gone through and shown you why they didn't meet every part of Koch's postulates. That's all I'm saying. And then I point out that just because we haven't seen that evidence doesn't necessarily mean it's not there. So that's why I continually kind of push back on people that say it's simply not there. I say we don't know that for sure. What we do know is that we haven't seen the evidence that it's been isolated. And that's been pointed out by plenty of very high, highly regarded scientists, PhDs, doctors, and on and on and on. Now, the point being, self-reported COVID. So people that are thinking they have COVID, why? Because they've got certain set of symptoms. That's it. So could they be wrong? Obviously. Okay. And it says, and SARS-CoV-2 serology test results with persistent physical symptoms among French adults during COVID. So they compared the two. And we've shown you this. And the point is it comes out to the reality that anybody who is saying, I have all sorts of long haul symptoms, almost entirely cannot prove they had COVID. Now on the other side of it, Everybody who can prove it turns out they don't have long haul, and all they really see is a loss of taste and smell that goes away. Now, what does that sound like? It sounds like psychological, uh, well, like a, um, oh, shoot, I knew I, was, I just blanked on the term because I said psychological, but you know, like a hypochondriac, right? Where you're going to believe you have this. It's, it's, it's psychological in nature. God, that's going to drive me crazy. Give me the term in the chat, somebody. So, but the point is, I'll read this and you'll see what I mean, that this is something that is in your mind. And this is what the study is finding. Now, this is one part of that. Why do they feel this way? Because the media has relentlessly screamed into their ear that this is what is happening. And if you have the sniffles right now with, with Omicron, oh, you got the sniffles? Is that what it is? Well, then you've got COVID. Oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> uh, where was it? I lost it. I forget where it is. Anyway, there's an article in here that we'll get to that gets into that, where it's basically like, what should you do if you've got symptoms? Oh, right here. Yeah. What do you, what would you do if Omicron variant symptoms and a negative test? <laughs> Keep testing until it's this positive. I'm not even lying. That's actually what this is saying. So you pretty much always have it, right? I mean, this is ridiculous. In the cross-sectional analysis of 26,823 adults from the population based French 
Constance's cohort during the COVID-19 pandemic. Self-reported COVID infection was associated with most persistent physical symptoms, whereas laboratory-confirmed COVID infection was only associated with loss of taste and smell. Anybody that was proven to have this thing, at least proven in the context of the narrative, only had loss of taste and smell. Psychosomatic, thank you. That was going to drive me crazy. Thank you, Emily. You're fantastic. Psychosomatic, that's what we're talking about. And we know that exists, right? That's absolutely a real thing. Absolutely. So why would we then dismiss that it might happen in some cases? Well, because that's what happens when you're in a mass life formation situation. Nothing matters, only the narrative. Then it goes on to say, findings suggest that persistent physical symptoms, so people that are actually feeling persistent symptoms after what they think is COVID, should not be automatically ascribed to SARS-CoV-2. A complete medical evaluation may be needed to prevent erroneously attributing symptoms to the virus. Yeah. This is very reason. This is very, very, this is a huge, important study on a peer-reviewed platform. It says, in the important, the important part, beliefs regarding the causes of symptoms may in- influence their perception and promote maladaptive health behaviors. Allowing people to think this way could li- lead us into a manip- an illusion. That's what we're getting at here. But they're not trying to stop this at all. They're absolutely, in fact, they're absolutely leaning into it. Like I said with that article, you got the, you got the cold, you have some sniffles. Well, you probably have got Omicron. Be scared. And then people go forward thinking that. And then they go forward reporting long haul and everything else. And they're one of those people on Twitter bleeding at you every 30 seconds about how, well, what about long haul? I've been sick for 35 years and you have no idea how what can. That's the idea based on their opinion. The serology test results, uh, test result positive for SARS-CoV-2 was positively associated with persistent, basically loss of taste and smell. Even when restricting the analyses to participants who attributed their systems to COVID infection, their symptoms to COVID infection. So it's very clear. The only time they find this, by and large, with the vast majority of what they're looking at, I believe it's something, I forget what the exact one was. I was reading through it earlier. Are pe- the, the majority are people who, I've, 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 I've lost the thread on that. The point was simply that people who have proven this, as I said before, are people that end up with only loss of taste and smell, by and large. Conclusion, the findings of the cross-sectional analysis of a large population-based French and cohort suggest that persistent physical symptoms after COVID infection may be associated more with the belief in having been infected, more so than having actually been infected. That is huge. That's mass psychosis right there, scientifically verified. People are thinking that they have this, and that becomes their reality because the media bolsters that. They conf- they they allow that. They continue to, con- to give you more inf- more. They pat you on the head and say that's correct. That's what they're doing with every situation that leans into the narrative. Further research in this area should be considered. Should consider underlying mechanisms that may be specific to SARS-CoV-2 virus. I mean, I, again, I showed you this back then. And the point simply is that people are being told they're sick, so they believe they're sick. If you don't think that's something that's capable or possible, you don't understand what, ma- what mass psychosis, mass formation, psychosomatic situations can be. Play- people have these problems already. Then you hype them up with fear, can t- tell them that they're all going to die, drive them into their homes, destroy their business, completely destroy every semblance of normalcy that they have, and they'll grab onto anything. It's pretty incredible. Now, this is just one example, guys. Every single part of this is happening right now, and we'll get into them right now. Ones that are just as obvious. Now here, just talking about Omicron specifically is a really interesting 
point about the illusion in regard to the hospitalization. Now, I didn't point to this one in the title and everything else because it was one of the smaller ones, but this is an important one. This is as of December 2021, PubMed, decreased severity of disease during the first global Omicron variant COVID-19 outbreak in a large hospital in South Africa. Now, I've already told you this. We just reported an 80% decrease in hospitalization. But there's an interesting point. This is the same basic body of evidence that was making that argument. But there's a really, really relevant point in here that you need to hear. Under the results, deaths and ICU intensive care admissions were 4.5% versus 21.3% back before this. And 1% versus 4.3%, that's respectively, versus deaths and hospitalization, right? So everything is dramatically down. One-fourth, if not far, far less than what it was before. The length of stay was four days versus 8.8 days. So everything has gone down in every category, and they're still trying to pretend like you're in danger. Now, by the way, that's in general, except when we start looking into vaccination, you know, breakdown by vaccination status. And that exposes the whole thing, which we keep showing you, but not today. Now, admissions peaked and declined rapidly with peak bed occupancy at only 51% of the highest previous peak. So barely even, so this whole time, even as they're bleeding about, oh my God, we're going to be overrun in the hospitals, they barely even got to half of what they were before. Then here's the important part. 63%. Make sure you see what we're looking at here. 63%. 63% of COVID-19 wards in general had incidental COVID-19 following a positive SARS-CoV-2 PCR test. 63% of patients in these wards were there because they went for a different reason and then got tested and then got told they had COVID-19. Now, you know you've heard this already because we talked about it. And it's actually becoming a big talking point because Fauci even just got forced to admit it about children on national TV. This is what we keep telling you. This is becoming ridiculous. I can't even fit in all of the back the backpedaling we've been seeing lately. And I think it's because of you, because you have stood up and you've pushed back. But just think about how many of these topics that we've already been discussing that we told you eight months ago, a year ago, and we got censored for, along with a lot of other people in the independent media. The whole with it, not from it, right? 63%, the majority of these people were only being were only being told these people have COVID in the hospital because they went in there with a broken leg and got tested and they were in there for a broken leg, told they had COVID, left when their broken leg got better, weren't sick, but still goes down as a COVID hospitalization. Fauci just admitted that. Continuing this thread, only one third had COVID pneumonia. Isn't it weird that they're calling it COVID pneumonia? So is it pneumonia or is it COVID-19? Doesn't, it's the same idea with the pneumonia and flu combination. That's how they play this game. But only one third of those people had what they said was COVID pneumonia, of which 72% had mild to moderate disease, meaning it wasn't that serious. The remaining 38% required high care or ICU admission. Fewer than half of the patients in COVID wards compared to 99.5% of the first wave required oxygen. So, by the way, remember the oxygen, as people like Dr. Seidel told us, were killing people. That's what was killing people. So it's not strange at all that they pulled back aggressively on this as it's not, you know, I think we've realized that. And this is just more games going forward, but up for you to decide for yourself, as always. City and provincial rates show decoupling of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths compared to previous waves. Corroborating the clinical findings that this is not very dangerous. How many times do scientific studies, peer-reviewed and otherwise, need to find that before they continue or stop saying 
it could be more dangerous. We don't know. We don't know. Keep being scared because it could be more dangerous, but we don't know. Well, yeah, we do know. We do because all the peer-reviewed science keeps telling you it's not more dangerous. In South Africa, Botswana, everywhere keeps telling you that, but they don't want you to think. They want you to think it could be more dangerous. Another way to say that is it might not be more dangerous, but you see how they lean on the side of it could be more dangerous. That's always how this works. 63% went in there with something else and left with something else and were told they had COVID. Here's Business Insider. Many people hospitalized with Omicron, and by the way, this is how they're playing the game. They're admitting this right now on every topic almost under a guise that it's only because of Omicron. That's not true. This is their way of trying to get out of this, at least as it seems to me, by rolling back the narrative and blaming it on Omicron, even though it was happening under Delta and we proved it then too. And before that, by the way. So as they try to couch it with Omicron, realize it's all across the board. Hospitalized with COVID-19 are there for other reasons. That was the same thing in the very beginning of this. That's why even new, uh, let's see if I can actually pull that up. Yep, there it is. Boom. Why it's important to remember all this stuff. Here is the, this is from this is from uh, May. <laughs> and this is a point. Same thing back then. So here they are trying to tell you, no, 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 it's only because of Omicron. Don't listen to those conspiracy theorists. But oops, here's back in May. Studies suggest child hospitalization numbers from COVID are inflated. And guess what, guys? It's the same argument from a different angle. Two new studies from the hospital pediatrics have concluded that COVID-19 hospitalizations among children have been inflated by at least 40%. It gets upwards of, it's about half of them, bottom line, when you read the whole thing and go through the studies. And why? Exactly the same argument. They go in for another reason and are told they have COVID and they leave because they're fine. It goes down as a COVID hospitalization. It's pretty simple. So how can they argue that it's only in the COVID surge, Omicron surge? Because they're trying to hide this. Some patients are counted in COVID hospitalization stats are there for other reasons. Not some, the vast majority. The incidental cases were found to be prominent in England and South Africa. Now, in case you are want to know what incidental was, I guess I should have made that more clear. I was, I was, I knew what it was before, and I looked it up earlier. Incidental means they're there for other reasons. Just so we're clear on that. Where was the other one? Oh, I guess that was the. That's weird. Maybe I thought I just explained it to you. <laughs> that's funny. I swear I had another article that like went into exactly what incidental was, but that's what it very clearly is. Incidental means they went in for a different reason, were tested while they were there. And then left. As it says even right here, including Anthony Fauci, have pointed to this now. And that shouldn't be, that should be, that should be an eating crow moment. Because we've been saying that for a year. And they would say, they would call us fake news conspiracy theorists. And now they're saying the same thing. And that is why they have to blame it on Omicron. Because otherwise they're admitting that we've been right the whole time. And we are. They know that. Here's Daily Mail. A proportion of the NHS beds taken up by incidental COVID patients rises again. 33%. This is just what they're admitting to, understand? So understand that a third of all of the beds that they're screaming are overrun are people that are not there for COVID, even though they tell you it's all about COVID. How can we not see how much this is being manipulated? The remainder, well, she says only 67% were being primarily treated for the virus. The remainder tested positive while being treated for another ailment or medical condition. This probably was what I was thinking about right there. Very clearly shows you what incidental means. Now, on that note, 
Here's a clip that somebody sent me before we actually get into the article that makes this very clear. So this is real. Now, to, to preface this, this is from the beginning of uh, 2021. This was actually before Public Health England was turned into the UK Security Health Agency. And you'll note that because she calls it Public Health England, but it's still relevant. Now, yes, there are the people, at least there's arguments that they've changed the way they do this since then. And I do believe things have altered, have shifted. But nonetheless, it's still the same thing we keep hearing. And that is still the truth. 28 days in a positive test is still happening. But going back to the beginning of the year, listen to what was happening then and realize why they were able to paint this as something bigger than it was. This clip is actually really important because it's, I mean, this was, this was on Sky News and they're literally telling, I mean, this, she's asking, this doesn't make sense. How does this make sense? Occasions we've had more than a hundred deaths on se several times. Now, statisticians from Oxford University appear to have found an explanation for why that is happening. They say that when recording data, Public Health England looks at whether a person has ever tested positive for coronavirus and then whether they're still alive at a later date. So that means that anyone who's ever tested positive for coronavirus is included in the death figures, even if they've, di even if they've died from something else. So one pretty startling example is a person could test positive, be successfully treated and discharged, say in April time, and then in June could be run over by a bus and die. That person would still count as a COVID death in England. That's just, I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. And that's true. Remember, we told you back in the beginning about this, and that was admitted on the show, a different show as well, that somebody, literally, this was a case. Somebody got tested just like that. They left, they were released, they were perfectly healthy, died in a motorcycle accident like 20 days later, and because 28 days in a positive test, they were counted as a COVID-19 death. Or the case where we actually showed you, and I think this was England as well, an autopsy was performed on somebody who died from a gunshot wound, and they, and they tested positive for COVID, so they called it a COVID death. This is not, this is why, and that's not a joke. Now, yes, you could argue that they've shifted things since then, but 28 days in a positive test is definitely still happening. So that, which by the way, in case you think, oh, it's a fuzzy clip and it's cut out, here's the document. This is from the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine. University of Oxford. I mean, this is, you know, it, this is something that should be looked at at the very least as a legitimate discussion. Evidence service to report support the COVID response is what they're saying. So they're on the other side of it. Why no one can ever recover from COVID-19 in England? A statistical anomaly. Now we've even pointed to this in the past. July 16, 2020. The July 16, 2020. It says, a statistical flaw in the way that the Public Health England compiles out-of-hospital deaths data rather than any genuine difference between the regions of the UK. It says, linking data on confirmed positive cases, what she was just discussing, Identified through testing by NHS and PHE. And now remember, this is why they were so desperate to test everybody all, you know, the more testing you get you on record with, the more they can point back to. And it's used just like this. It's, an, it's a never-ending category, a list that grows and grows and nobody gets removed from. Identified through testing by NHS and PA and Public Health England laboratories and commercial partners to the NHS demographic batch service. When a patient dies, a, and the NHS Central Register, Register of Patients is notified. This is not limited to deaths in hospitals. This list <clears throat> of all lab-confirmed cases is checked against the NHS Central Register each day to check if any of the patients have died. Note that there wasn't a time frame in there. Here, it seems, as it says, the Public Health England regularly looks for people on the NHS database who have ever 
tested positive ever from beginning to now and simply checks to see if they are alive or not. The Public Health England does not appear to consider how long ago the COVID test results was nor whether the person was has been successfully treated in hospital and discharged to the community. Guys, that's crazy. That's, that is a willful deception. There's no way that makes sense. Anyone who has tested COVID positive but subsequently died at a later date at any time since this started of any cause will be included on the Public Health of England COVID death figures. Now, if you believe that they would do this just to be extra safe, well, fine. Then you can't use that to force people to take a shot or force people to wear a mask, quarantine, and so on, which is what they're doing. By this Public Health England definition, no one with COVID in England is allowed to ever recover from their illness. A patient who has tested positive but successfully treated and discharged from the hospital will still be counted as a COVID death. And by the way, a case continually, even if they had a heart attack or were run over by a bus three months later or a year later, because that's where we are now. This is why, quote, out of hospital setting deaths remain consistently high even though the Office of National Statistics data shows there have been fewer deaths than the five-year average in the last three weeks. This, and this is during 2020. Do you realize how incredible that is? Now, the point here is, let's just say this shifted, I mean, it, a month later. It still points to a reality that they used this to build your illusion. And going forward, they're just going to point back at where we were and how dangerous it was. And we've been, and the, oh, we successfully brought it down. Or is that what happened? Or is this just another massive illusion like Denny Rancourt's been pointing out? Either way, guys, this is the kind of illusion that's built the mass psychosis. They've allowed people to believe what they want them to believe based on absolutely willfully dishonest statistical analysis. Blows me away. But again, you have to want to be able to see this to be able to actually realize how important this is. But just in case people are dismissing that, oh, that was forever. Well, here it is in the United States too. As you all have seen, we've played this many times. I just want to be clear in terms of the definition of people dying of COVID. So the case definition is is very simplistic. It means at the time of death, um, it was a COVID positive diagnosis. So that means that if you were in hospice and had already been given, you know, a few weeks to live, and then you also were found to have COVID, that would be counted as a COVID death. It means that if... Um, Technically, if, even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. So um, everyone who's listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time of death. I hope that's helpful. Right. Well, it's very helpful. The point is that nobody wants to hear that. That's obvious. Very, very clear. Even when they know as a matter of fact that there's a clear alternate cause, they still count it. Now, again, the argument would be from the logical, well, of course, they're just doing it to keep you safe, just to be extra safe. Fine. If you're going to argue that, I don't care. Tally it however you want, but you can't then use those to restrict our rights. In fact, you can't use anything to restrict our rights. And the point here is that this is an illusion. They know it is. And they turn around, the media turns around, reports this as fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt, breathlessly. Oh my gosh, almost 800,000 deaths. Well, not clearly not. Clearly, that's not true. Even one of them is wrong, then that's a false number. But we don't know how many. Look, guys, I'm seeing all this. If there's people spamming in the chat, block them. Kick them out. I don't care. Screw YouTube. 
They, it's just it, these bots are me. It's probably just YouTube itself trying to break down the chat. Anyway, so it's obvious here that we can see that this is not real to some degree. So that's why we have this happening now, as I pointed a moment ago, where they're just anybody. You have you have the sniffles. We'll keep testing until it says positive. Headline reads for the podcast, what to do if you have Omicron variant symptoms and a negative test result. Remember, Omicron variant symptoms are the common cold. That's what this is. That's it. It's the In fact, it's the only one so far they've argued is only like that. That's all it is. Sniffles, headache. That's it. It's very basic. And it's every symptom you get from a cold. So shouldn't we ask whether it just is the cold? Yeah, but not, not in the COVID clown world. What does it say? The CDC advises more COVID-19 tests if you test negative after symptoms. So basically, if you actually have the cold or, I don't know, allergies, they're saying keep testing over and over and over until you get a positive. That, do you, am I crazy or is that what it says? More testing if you get a negative test if you're sick with symptoms. So where does that end? You just keep testing every two days until, yes, because eventually you'll get a false positive or eventually you'll get positive because you have the cold. And we never really sussed that out. Right in the beginning, there was all these conversations about the cold and getting false positives because that's also a coronavirus. Nobody wants to get into this stuff because it's a narrative and they're trying to desperately keep it going. But do you not agree that this is going to 100% increase the illusion? Yes. Now, while they're yelling at you about all these illusions and what they think, you know, here's something we know for sure. As a, as a 100% matter of fact, 21,002 deaths have been reported to Bayer's after injection. Reported. 110,609 hospitalizations have been reported after injection on Bayer's since this started. Now, do we know that that's 100% because of the injection? No, you never, you never do. Just like they didn't know that when they used VAERS to argue their point I just showed you yesterday for a CDC study. The point is, it's about a, it's a, it's a system of signals. And you're supposed to use those signals to make logical to policy decisions. But since COVID started, they pretend this is it, fake news doesn't matter. As they dismiss things without research. Or somebody like Maddie DeGuerre, who very clearly is in a wheelchair for the rest of her life after immediately having seizures taking the injection, eats through a tube to this day. They reported to Vayers that she had a stomachache. Easy to look up right now. And they're trying to, they're, they're petitioning the government to try to get something. And they're ignoring them. Our point is that all of this has been reported. You could, people could be lying. People could be wrong. But, I'll, but you know what? I'll, I'll, from my perspective... 21,000 people saying that they have members of their family that died after the injection being reported is something we should at least care about. Or how about this? How about this perspective for those that think we're crazy for looking at this? How about that there is just two people? How about 21,000 of these reports are fake and two of them are real and you out there acting like this is fake news don't care about those two people's lives? Because you're dismissing it because of other people. So do those two people not matter? What if it was a hundred? What if it was a thousand? What if it was ten thousand? What if ten thousand of those are real and you're missing them or don't care about them because you were told not to look at it? I can promise you, and you know for sure, even those things were fake news. In your heart, you know that some of those are real. They've admitted some of them are real. The CDC website right now says death can happen from these injections, but it's super rare. So which one of those deaths do you not care about? 
Does it not matter that they have a family member, a child, a grandmother that died because of the injection? And shouldn't that then matter or to the individual making their choice with informed consent? You obviously know that's how this works. Today, it doesn't though, because none of this counts because of our narrative. Here's the next one. And we're talking myocarditis here. How this is becoming obvious. Now, to start off with a positive in this segment, I want to make sure you guys saw a really positive thing here. To begin out 2022, to remember what we're fighting for. To remember why we're doing this. Whitney Webb, as you know, she was pregnant. She just had her beautiful baby boy. As she wrote, hope everybody had a great new year new year and holiday season. My new year, New Year's Eve was very productive. I made a little human. And I love, I love his beanie as it says, the struggle is real. <laughs> I love that. But it's just important to remember what we're fighting for, guys. This is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for people like this, this little baby boy that has no ability to protect himself, no, no understanding of what we're fighting against. And if they had their way, they would inject that baby right now because it's for, for his safety, right? Safe and effective, safe and effective. Well, that baby needs us, needs us to stand in their way. And that's the sad part about what's happening today is people are using the children as a barrier to protect themselves. They're cowards. And this is the kind of thing that we need to stand up for because the myocarditis aspect of this is affecting the young more than anything. Now here is Johns Hopkins doctor Marty McCary, PhD, or excuse me, MD, pointing out a very important study, as he says, the new uh, and, and uh, Kaiser Permanente Northwest study placing myocarditis risk in men 1824 higher, as high as get this one in 100, 1800, one in 1, Just one in almost 2000, guys. That's crazy. That is unbelievably high. And this is coming from Kaiser Permanente. Might explain this a concerning observation of sudden death in young athletes worldwide. Yeah, and you've seen that too. Get this. Four footballers killed by heart attacks just over the Christmas week. And we're still pretending like this isn't happening. When's the last time you ever saw this happen? And we're still pretending like this is just a normal thing. Just remember in the beginning when they were desperate to pretend like the, the strokes and heart attacks and vaccine-induced in, uh, vaccine thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, or CVT, or any number of the other things we've now absolutely been verifiably proven is possible from these injections. Remember in the beginning when they were so desperate to pretend, oh, it's no more than what we would normally see in the population, even with myocarditis, they tried to argue that. Aggressively censored us for pointing out it was more than that. And now here we are again obviously more than what's normally been happening in the past. And they're right now gaslighting everybody to think this doesn't make sense. A bunch of conspiracy theorists put, pulling a bunch of Facebook posts together. No, we are absolutely outlining the reality with verifiable data about what's been happening since the beginning. And they don't care. And before we get back into that, and F, the, the, as he points out, yet the FDA is about to authorize boosters for 12 to 15 year olds without a vote. Because, you know, we're just skipping past everything now. Israel's going fourth shot. We don't even get to tell you why. Here's the fourth shot now. What happened to the whole process where you verified to us that it made sense? Ah, we're fourth one. Fifth's right beneath it, right, right behind it. Fifth, sixth, all coming your way. Why? Because COVID. We don't need scientific information. We don't need safety trials anymore. M mRNA platform, genetic code, boom, take your next one. This used to be crazy conspiracy theory until they're literally telling you that. And sadly, 
who people that Herbie rattle that off right now are probably still thinking, oh, what a conspiracy theorist. Do you not realize that's literally what they just said? Apparently they don't. But going looking at the actual tweet here, it says, and this is from, uh, I forgot I wanted to follow this guy too. New, oh, let me make sure, because I haven't followed him in the past, and they delete that. Yeah, there we go. New study from Permanente shows you the 1 in 1,860. And get this, 1 in 2,650 risk of all of it together. The, the, the multiple, the all angles, the myopericarditis in males, age 1824. Following the second specifically. Now it says, search comparison indicates that CDC methodology markedly underestimates true incidence. If you think that's not an accident, then you don't, you're not paying attention. Implications for mandates and boosters. Here's the last one. We identified additional valid cases of myopericarditis following mRNA vaccination that would be missed by the system. And here's the study itself. Go back to the original so you can look at all of them. And as always, as always, we go to the source. Always. So all those people acting like we look at some Twitter post and some person saying it or Robert Malone said it on some podcast. And so we verbally told you, here's the truth because he said so. That's how stupid that, that this is how what a reductive argument that is. We always go to the source. Yes, on a preprint server, in this case, December 27th, risk of myopericarditis following COVID vaccination. mRNA COVID vaccination. Centers for the CDC, so the VSD stands for the Vaccine Safety Data Link. It says, we identified additional valid cases of myopericarditis following an mRNA vaccination that would be missed by that system they put in place to not miss things, which depends on select hospital discharge diagnosis codes. Oh, good. So the CDC picked out a, a random selection of specific hospitals and we're only using their discharge codes to tell us whether or not there's myocarditis. Gee, I wonder why they're missing things. That's not, I'm, we're not even making that up, guys. That's crazy. For those in the podcast, that's what they're doing and what this study shows you right here. It's just like they pick their Kentucky study with multiple, with select locations and act like that gives you the full picture about natural immunity. It's pathetic. As the study finds, the true incidence of myopericarditis is marketedly higher than the incidence reported to the U.S. advisory committees. So marketedly higher than what the CDC is telling the committees to get them to approve what they want. The SV, the system should validate its search algorithm to improve its sensitivity as if that's what's happening. Oh, it's just something they need to update. No, if they cared, they wouldn't have dug their feet in back when Harvard and HHS decided, wanted to revamp the Bayer system because it, what they, they wanted it to be dismissible. Obviously, that's my opinion, but look at where we are. Again, four, four more soccer players killed by heart attacks over the weekend. And guess what? 23-year-old, 29-year-old, 23-year-old, 30-year-old. Yeah, because that's totally normal, right? Right, Peter Hotez? Right, Tom Frieden? Totally normal, right? Disgusting. Now that I had this highlighted, it looks like it refreshed, but I, let me pick out some of the points here. Four footballers died of heart attacks on the pitch, on the field, during the game. The first victim, Croatian player, 23-year-old, died in the hospital after an induced coma three days after fainting on the field while playing in a game. Died of a heart attack. Died where he died. The cause of the death was a heart attack. That's the important part is to see that these young, healthy, in the peak of their career, 
soccer players, some of the most athletically talented people on the planet, or at the very least, like cardio, right? I mean, it's incredible. I've never sport. I've never seen a sport in my life that is more cardio centric than something like soccer. It's um, if you ever play soccer before, you understand. Heart attack, twenty three year old. Next one, twenty nine year old collapses during the match or during a warm up before the match. Ultimately, dies of a heart attack. I mean, I could just tell you guys. I had this highlighted before, right there. Heart attack. And then we've got the 24 year old or a 30 year old defender. Same thing. Drops during the game, and it's a heart attack. Died on the way to this on the way to the hospital. And the fourth footballer to die from heart. Four footballers die from heart issues in a week. This one guy had just got married days before he died. I mean, guys, there's no way if you are pretending that this does not obviously show you a problem, I you're a disgusting human being. Truly mean that. I don't even understand how you can look at four people, four of the most athletically talented, you know, people with cardio. That's the main point. People that are healthy in, 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 in a category, let's say. Is it possible that individually one of these might have had some issue? Yes. I can even show you in the past some of the other people we've pointed to who, yes, had pre-existing heart problems. But the point is they're all getting the injection and then collapsing on the field in an unprecedented fashion in, in more than we've ever seen. Again, don't forget, one in a, 1.46 athletes per 100,000 per year. That's the average in a 20-year NIH study. We are so far past that, it makes me sick. And they're still pretending this doesn't make sense. Nah, it's just you pretending with data. No, that's what you guys are doing. Lying with statistics. We're simply showing an obvious breakdown that it's way over. Now, I just, I refreshed this two days ago. Let's see how much it went up. Looks like it didn't. I think we got these in the last one we just looked. It's probably including these. Anyway, 395 cardiac deaths. 395. Just on, this is just adults in professional athletes. Don't forget that there is an unending list of children. High school sports. Uh, Pop Warner sports all over the place. Young kids collapsing. That's not getting associated with this. All of this is verifiable, guys. You can look at these data. This is all from, this is just from the beginning of 2021. And as I've shown many times, all these links are here. Look at them for yourself. If you want to try to pretend this isn't happening, I can scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And oh, by the way, I forgot that he also, whoever's making this update. And I love this page. Also make sure to differentiate between the ones they don't have documentation for. So if you're going to pretend like he's just assuming, they don't. All This is an, a, a t- an additional list of people that may or may not have had the vaccine. It's incredible. And don't forget that what we just showed you yesterday is exponentially more ridiculous with this discussion. Showing you the increased obvious risk of myocarditis, showing you the four more football players with cardiac, cardiac events that happened just over Christmas weekend. And this is what they come out with on December 30th. COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective for children. Why? Because of our three studies we did quietly behind the scenes when everybody else was saying the opposite. Trust us. Well, as I pointed out, I'm not going to go through this again. It's insulting to your intelligence to pretend that this makes sense. I'll just point out the first one. They did, they're literally showing you a study from a two-week study, November 3rd to December 19th. That's it. And by the way, as this was my point, a study using Vayer's information. I'm not making this up, guys, that for the podcast, they're using Vayer data to point to the reported amounts of adverse events in regard to specifically what we're talking about, whether children are healthy and heart problems and so on, myocarditis. 
So they're dismissing the, they're dismissing this by saying, oh, unverified. Vayers information, we don't know, it's unverified. And then when they have an argument, they go to Vayers, they pull the data, and then of course say, well, look, that's very small. Here's the percentage. You're lying. They're safer children, except it's only 1% of the total. And we know that. They know that. And this is how they use Vayers to dismiss it, except when we use Vayers, they pretend it doesn't make sense. This doesn't this make your brain hurt? Like, this is pathetic. Either it, it's unverifiable and doesn't make sense, or it's not. It's just a system they can use when they want to and dismiss when they want to. The bottom line is, this is pathetic. A two-week study is supposed to pretend to know that this is safe for children. Meanwhile, we've got year-long peer-reviewed studies of myocarditis and others that are showing you that this is very clearly not good for them. On top of that, that they don't need it, that they're not at risk. On top of that, you're trying to give them an injection that's based on a sequence from the beginning that does not apply to where it currently is, and that creates antibody-dependent enhancement. That creates increased risk of stroke and heart attack and myocarditis. But yeah, give it to them because they're at one in a million risk of dying, right? All of that is backed up on peer-reviewed data, but who cares, right? Well, don't forget, New York health commissioners also admitted to hyping this unrealistic fear of hospitalization of kids that doesn't actually exist right now to scare them into getting vaccines. And I was also told, by the way, and I haven't confirmed this, somebody told me that this part of the clip was actually pulled out of the one that they have publicly put up. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Here's the clip again, if you didn't hear it before. numbers that we gave on pediatric admissions weren't intended to make it seem that children were having... Um, you know, having a, uh, uh, an epidemic of infection. These were small numbers that we reported in our health alert. Uh, there, that was based on 50 hospitalizations, and I've now given you some larger numbers, but they're still uh, small numbers. It really is to motivate pediatricians and families to seek the protection of vaccination. Uh, right, and that's the point. So we, we hyped this fear, even though it was not irrational, right? It wasn't, it's a small number. When taken in context, it's basically meaningless. And we did it to hype them in, to scare them into getting what we think is the right thing to do. You see how that works? They lied. They lied. And this is what, the, this is what Bethany's pointing out. So here is the new NBC New York post about what she said. Concerns around pediatric COVID hospitalizations are growing, especially in the city. Emissions among the New York City kids are up 395%. Right. Scream. Oh my God, we're all going to die. Except wait a minute. If it only went in, like, so basically you could show it went up 400% by showing it went up from one, one hospitalization to four hospitalizations. You see how that's not the same thing when I say 395%. Well, that just means it quadrupled if that's even accurate, by the way. So at the end of the day, it went up from three or four to 50 or whatever she just said. And that is an illusion. They're using this to hype up the fear. And she admitted to get them to take the injection. That's what's happening, guys. It's just, And so they're hyping this fear for people that don't need it, even though the data shows that they're at an increased risk of getting something that could kill them. Don't forget, myocarditis, as the NIH study shows, has the potential to increase your mortality by 25 to 56% over the next 10 years. And that's a mild case. Serious cases can kill you in a week. This is backed up by NIH data, but they don't care. Here's another point. I find this to be very important. This is from the score. Now, what they're saying here, and this article is from two days ago, they're now rolling back the cycle threshold conversation, the PCR illusion. 
Here's another one that they're slowly admitting in the middle of all this. The NBA have agreed to get this, revise the league's health and safety protocols to accelerate the return of asymptomatic and vaccinated players. Right. It's interesting, right? Why would you do that if you're in the middle of a pandemic and it's all spreading and everybody, okay, because we're just kind of going, let's just get back to this. Let's get them back in there because we're not in danger. Well, that's my take on what they're saying right there, but it goes forward to say prior mandates required players, coaches, and staff to isolate for no fewer than seven days, which don't forget, that's what Biden didn't do when he was came in contact with that staffer the very next day he was out there with no mask and doing talking and everybody, which I'm not saying you should have done anything. My point is that doesn't align with what they're forcing you to do, which doesn't make sense, but none of this makes sense. It says fewer, no fewer than seven days if COVID-19 test results revealed cycle thresholds levels above 35. Well, isn't that interesting? Okay, so if you go above 35 cycle threshold, apparently it says that we're going to we're going to change the standing on what that actually means. Prior mandates required them to isolate if they revealed tests above 35. So basically what this means, and what I also think is interesting here is that they're using they're manipulating the idea of cycle threshold into some way of representing how high your level of virus is or your, your viral load. That's ridiculous. That's not what that means. Cycle threshold is the amplification of the test and, and continuing to, to amplify and, and duplicate this until you can see it enough to be able to see what you're looking at. And what the experts and the people who made this test would tell you is that once you go past 30 to 35, you're going to find something. If you go above 45, you will, look, the point is, if you keep increasing it, you will eventually find a positive, no matter what you're looking at. That's the point. That's why this is not supposed to be used in this context, as anybody honest is telling you, including the person who made it, who is now no longer with us. But, so those are two points. They're trying to conflate the idea that cycle threshold means the level, it's, it's, it's just not the truth. Sort of how they tried to pretend that viral load was how much you sneezed out, and that's not what we're talking about. They're trying to trick the people who don't understand this stuff. But on top of that, doesn't this seem to suggest that they're admitting that once you go over that number, that it's not valid? Here's the next part. The new protocols will permit individuals who've tested positive with the PCR test, or or I guess in any test in this this case, but we're talking PCR at this moment, to return to the team activities following only a five-day period. Oh, isn't that interesting? That's the same period they moved it back after Delta reached out to Pfizer and said, hey, cut it back to five days for us. They said, okay, science. (laughs) And with cycle threshold levels above 30. Well, there you go. So if it's above 30, then it'll let you come back early. Seems to suggest that they're admitting that it doesn't actually mean as much as we thought it did if it goes above a certain number. Cycle threshold levels are used to determine the viral load of an individual's COVID case. That's not true. Guys, that's not true. This is my point. This is a misrepresentation of what this is. They want you to think if you go high enough, that means you're sicker. That's not true. It's a scaled measurement where the higher the number, the less virus will be found in the sample, suggesting the person is less likely to be infectious. Well, so that makes sense, but it's not the way they're conflating it. And the point in the less is what they're essentially admitting backhandedly is exactly what we've been telling you from the very beginning. And not because we're guessing, but because even somebody like Fauci said this in July 2020, and yet they keep kept using the test over 40 cycle threshold all the way until now. Evolving into a bit of a standard that if you get a cycle threshold of 35 or more that the chances of it being replication competent are minuscule. Mm. Right. So he said that in July, 2020, he knew that 
And yet ever since then, they're still allowing people to use 40 to 45 cycle threshold for their PCR testing. Oh, and don't forget, they made sure that you couldn't use over 28 when you're trying to find breakthrough cases. See how that works? Easy to look up. We get entire shows on this in the past. That's a guaranteed way to find to make sure that breakthrough cases are not showing up as much and that COVID cases are showing up everywhere. Guaranteed. Isn't that interesting? The whole narrative seems to be evolving and dissolving in front of you. Now, on the on the point of myocarditis specifically, here's Steve Kirsch pointing out how Elisevere or one of the pretty much every one of these peer reviewed platforms manipulate the science to match the narrative, or they try to in many cases. I guess I would argue pretty much everybody other than the British Medical Journal, but I can't say I've honestly looked at every single thing on that platform. But it says. Jessica Rose and Peter McCullough wrote a paper on myocarditis rates caused by the vaccine. It was published in the journal, quote, current problems in cardiology. Here is the actual study. We'll get into that in a minute. It says, then for no apparent reason at all, the publisher of the journal, at least severe, caused it to just disappear. For no reason, in fact. They didn't even argue that it was, you'll see what I mean in a minute. They didn't give it, they didn't reach out to the authors, nothing. This is what Dr. Malone was pointing out. This is unprecedented. It was posted, it was peer-reviewed, and then they just arbitrarily pulled it back, acting like it was going to come back, and it never did. Here, it says the paper is in the journal, the paper in the journal, which makes it look like it was never published. It was. It was unethically removed by the publisher. This paper is a litmus test for scientific integrity. Jessica wrote about the withdrawal on her Substack. You can read about it here in the article. She's still clueless why her paper was removed. They didn't even tell her. No, not her fault. No reason was given. Another example, and we'll get into this next, written by uh, another author showing that face masks don't work. That was retracted by the editor. Why wasn't it corrected? Here's the notice. You can read it for yourself. But you know where we're going to go with this. Right now, that narrative has already shifted back again. So here they are pulling and retracting valid scientific research that's now finding what they just admitted is happening. How stupid is that? This is peer-reviewed outlets who are censoring factual information because of politics. And now the narrative shifted to where what they just censored is actually what they're admitting is happening. How embarrassing for them. Now, if this paper were aligned with the narrative, it wouldn't be retracted. We are living in a world where scientific integrity is quickly disappearing along with our freedoms. And I argue that integrity has already been gone for a long time, and we just have the occasional person who cares about their integrity. It basically says that myocarditis is caused by the vaccines. It's not rare, and it doesn't just affect kids. As he said, good job, Lee Severe. You've successfully censored peer-reviewed science that doesn't match your belief system. Exactly. Now, here is the article itself. All it says is withdrawn. Okay, by who? That seems to suggest it's by Dr. McCullough and Jessica Rose. It's not. Jessica Rose, PhD, Peter McCullough, medical doctor. No, this was pulled back by the outlet. And then all it says is, look at this. This is the worst part. This article has been withdrawn at the request of the authors and or editor. Oh, so editor. (laughs) So we want to make you think it's the authors. Nope. The editor alone pulled this back without any reason, without any justification, and never came back. This is back in October. Here's where it says withdrawn, same thing. But here, this is where it says temporary removal. (laughs) How stupid is that? Now, what they did, and you'll find the report is very clear, They've simply looked at the information on Bayer's and and compared it to what we're seeing in the world. Very valid thing to do, seeing as how that's why the system was put in place, for crying out loud. But you can't do that because we're pretending this doesn't exist. 
Of course, unless the CDC wants to use it to make their argument and they want to misrepresent it. See how that works? Retracted. Well, no, retracted implies that the scientists pulled it back. But no, see, this is just this. It's all it says is, please see this to see why this happens. But it says here has been retracted at the request of the editor in chief. Okay, so the editor decided to pull this back after it was peer reviewed. Why? The peer review process is all that's supposed to matter. So they got pressured. They pulled it back because it's not something they're supposed to talk about. Oh, excuse me. I'm looking at the wrong one right now. That's the next part. Anyway, same point here. Same point for these last ones. Temporary removal, withdrawn, same point. Now, the next point that he was referencing in this article about the masks is where we shift into the next part. This one, same point. Back in January, the beginning of the year, retracted, again, specifically by the editor-in-chief. What was the point? Face masks in the COVID-19 era, a health hypothesis. Yeah, God forbid we should do peer-reviewed research on face masks when everybody's arguing about whether they work, right? Do it well have it peer-reviewed, have it accepted, have it posted on a highly regarded outlet, and then have the damn editor step in when she's forced to pull it back. Think about how ridiculous that is. Well, here's the study, guys. Just so we're clear about what we're actually looking at, this is what they retracted. Or excuse me, this was one of the ones we're discussing. Uh, Just to be clear, there's multiple points in this. This one, uh, where was it? Get to the right spot. Here is... This one, let me make sure. Right, okay, here it is. Face masks in COVID-19 era, a health hypothesis. And what this ultimately does is this, and this is a very well-done study that breaks down the comparison, and this is one we've gone over many times. The existing scientific evidence challenges the safety and efficacy of wearing face masks as preventative intervention for COVID-19. Right, it's exactly what we keep telling you. The data does not back it up. There is not a statistically significant effect Wearing face masks has been demonstrated to have substantial adverse psychological and physiological effects. These include hypoxia, hypercapnia, shortness of breath, on and on and on and on and everything we've been telling you. And they just pull it back. Well, here is another one that he references. This is May 2020, which, by the way, you've already seen because we were talking about this in the beginning. Like literally when this all started, the very first thing we pulled up was this. In regard to the mass topic, way before literally anybody was pointing at this. And then you've seen the occasional person bring this up as some kind of breaking story way after 2020. It's always been there. And remember that what they tried to argue was, well, the science is evolving. And well, okay, this is the point that goes back to what we're talking about against preprints. Uh, remember the breakdown of what good evidence is from one to five? Well, what's the lowest level of evidence? evidence? Well, that's observational studies, Sci- expert opinion. What's the number one level of evidence? Random controlled trials. Okay, so when you're looking at this study from May 2020, specifically on the use of masks, or at least in part, and the evidence is from 14 random controlled trials, and they come out with an observational study in the middle of a pandemic, they say, and tell you this is what challenges that, you should laugh out loud. And by the way, that's exactly what happened. For the 15,000th time, here's what this says. In our system systematic review, uh, we identified... 10, just for face masks, random controlled trials, 10 that reported estimates of the effectiveness of face masks. And this is my point from before. Remember when they laughed and said, oh, you're talking about influenza-like illness. That doesn't apply. It does, though. That we, and now we have evidence of that because now they're doing studies in regard to COVID-like illness. And that's how they do that. 
So funny how all of these flimsy arguments from people trying to desperately hold onto the narrative, but just falling apart in real time. But it says, in pooled analysis of massive random controlled trials from multiple time periods, sprawling huge studies, in pooled analysis, we found no significant reduction in influenza-like transmission with the use of face masks. Now, it doesn't say, it says influenza here. The point is the entire study is using these arguments to apply to an influenza-like discussion, which is why it says ILI right there. Now they go on to point out that they had multiple studies, not so, not one lab study of a mask thing on a piece of computer stuff. No, they did massive studies. They evaluated the use of masks among pilgrims in Australia during the, the, the Hajj pilgrimage. They did two studies in university settings. They did multiple studies inside homes, all this stuff. Read this whole thing for yourself. And it says the overall reduction in influenza-like illness, which includes COVID-19 or laboratory-confirmed influenza cases in the face mask group was not significant in either study. Then they did seven household studies. All these are random-controlled trials. One study provided face masks to re and respirators, by the way. That gets into the, N the N95 discussion for household contacts only. Another study evaluated face mask use as a source control for infected persons only. This covers every base, guys. And the remaining studies provided masks for the infected persons as well as their close contacts. None, none of the household studies reported a significant reduction in secondary laboratory confirmed influenza virus actions in the face of face mask groups. Okay, here's the most important part, disposable masks. They were not, we're not even talking cloth. Remember, cloth is the most ridiculous part. Disposable, we're talking medical, surgical masks, actually. They're different. Surgical masks are the ones you buy at the, the Walgreens, which is what the vast majority are using cloth masks. The largest next category are using these ones. Those disposable medical, excuse me, surgical masks are loose fitting devices that were designed to be worn by medical personnel to protect accidental contamination of patient wounds and to protect the wearer against splashes and sprays of bodily fluids. Are we really pretending that the CDC can say this in May of 2020 and two months later, they're going to pretend like that's changed entirely? That it was never about that. It was always about stopping transmission. It's guys, it's just like the way they pretend that it was always about stopping and reducing symptoms for the injections when really they clearly told you it was about stopping transmission. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines and, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission. Yeah, and we know that. That's all they said the whole time. It's all about the key goal is stopping transmission. And then they now actually pretend like that was never true, even though it's literally right there on video. It's only about reducing symptoms, you stupid conspiracy theorist. Same point in reverse. Same point in reverse. It's always been about stopping blood and spit from flying out of your mouth in a surgical standpoint. And that's what doctors who are being honest always told you on top of the fact that those that wear them a long period of time are clearly getting headaches and they'll tell you that, which means it's hyper possible hypercapnia hypoxia to situation. And now they're actually arguing that it's changed. It's always been about stopping transmission. This is how we see mass psychosis. It's that obvious. It says there is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by infected persons for source control or when worn by uninfected persons for reduced exposure. Any way you spin this, protecting your grandma, protecting yourself, it doesn't work. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks in general on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. Yeah, that's the point. And it always was. And they tried to hide this from you right in the beginning. And we were showing you right in the beginning. Now, here is another example. We just saw Lena Wen, the, the, one of the correspondents, 
openly saying this, challenging the narrative, and then suddenly people on the mainstream were like, oh, so now we're supposed to say cloth masks don't work? Now it's about anti-fives. That's complete fake news in the beginning of this. Well, now here is Scott, uh, Scott Gottlieb telling you cloth masks don't provide protection against COVID-19. Well, where have you heard that before? Who have you seen censored for saying that before? How embarrassing. I wrote, are they really pretending that this wasn't exactly what anyone honest was saying about cloth masks and all of them for that matter, the last two years and being censored for? I've been looking at pediatric hospitalizations at this record high and concerned about sending my son back into a preschool, even with a mask on. What do you tell parents? Are cloth masks just not good enough anymore? <laughs> cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now Okay, so they're actually trying, it's just like with Omicron, guys. They are desperate to make this only about now. That's why what the tweet actually says is at this stage of the pandemic, no. Do you realize how that should that should insult you to your core? They are actually pretending you are that stupid that they're going to pretend like somehow Omicron is transmitting differently now in regard to how small it is. Right. Is that what they're trying to actually pretend that, that now that cloth masks no longer work because Omicron? Come on, guys. It's the same data, the same information, the same reality. They never did. And now they're using Omicron to change everything because they're losing. The cloth masks do not protect you. They never did. In fact, on top of that, as they're now trying to, they're slowly admitting that to you and spoon feeding the people trusting the narrative into why they can explain and not why they're only certain, only just now not working. And your use of them this whole time has been acceptable, but now it doesn't work. On top of that, they make you sick. And this is the point. This is what we've continued to tell you from day one. I actually want to include one of the specific ones. I'll search for it in a second. This is from 2015 from the British Medical Journal. As far as I can tell, we were the first people to point this out to you, unless there's some other channel I didn't see. Now, Tucker Carlson's show probably saw that and incorrectly reported this to you as a recent study from last year. It wasn't the case. It's 2015. And this was the one he showed you. A cluster randomized trial, the only random controlled trial of cloth masks, and they compared it to medical masks in healthcare workers. Now, you've seen this many times. Here's what it says. The rates of all infection outcomes were highest in the cloth mask arm, with the rate of influenza-like illness, including COVID, statistically significantly higher in the cloth mask arm. Cloth masks also had significantly higher rates of influenza-like illness compared to the control arm. So with people that had nothing, think about how crazy that is. So people that wore nothing, that's the control room, are people that had a lower rate of illness to compare to people who wore the cloth mask. And you know why? Because it increases your illness. Laboratory confirmed virus were significantly higher in the cloth mask group. And this is the important part before the last one. Penetration of the cloth masks by particles was almost 97%. Does that sound like it works? 97% of the time droplets are going through this mask. Medical masks are 44%. These are the masks. These are the ones that are, they're, the ones they're trying to shift you into now. And with even that works half the time. If, and we're talking works as in stopping droplets. That is not statistically significant in any sense. Masks, N95s, cloth, that's exactly what the CDC found in May 2020. None of them have a statistically significant effect on stopping transmission because that's not what they're made for. 
Last part, most important. This study is the first and only random controlled trial of cloth masks. The results literally caution against their use. Caution against the use of cloth masks. And the CDC looks at this and goes, use those first. Yep. And it says, this is an important finding to inform occupational health and safety. Apparently, they don't care about that. Here's the most important part. Moisture retention, as we've been telling you, and reuse of those cloth masks and just simply poor filtration will result in increased risk of infection and an increased risk of infection. You know, alongside the injection that increases your risk of catching that within the first seven to 20 days, decreases your immune system, lymphocytopenia, aggressively, possibly forever, increases your risk of cardiac event by 50%, and on and on and on. It's like a massively converging situation that all leads in the same direction. How about the reduction of vitamin D or the the isolation and quarantine that decreases your immune system? Everything led in this direction. Then it says, however, as a precautionary measure, cloth masks should not be recommended. And here we are, guys. Here we are, 2015, and they're only just now, after two years, saying, well, because Omicron, the cloth masks don't work. That's pathetic. You were right. We were right. We knew this from the beginning because of the data, because we were honest and objective enough to look at the data and say, they're not looking at the data. They're lying to you about the data. Oh, and that's funny. I forgot I had this right here. Cloth masks are making you sick. And it seems that's simply part of the plan. This was just a clip we put out on March 1st. But the point is, guys, this is the mass psychosis. We are literally staring down the barrel of the obvious lies and how they're trying to use them to lock you down. And they're telling you, you've been right. We've been lying. But at the same time saying, but not actually, because it's only because of this narrative. It's Omicron. However, they try to frame it. And it's not just mass. It's not just everything else. It's also natural immunity. This is, I, this is the worst one. Daily Mail. This is as of yesterday. Are some people naturally COVID proof? <laughs> oh, you mean like, is there another word for that? Oh, you mean like natural immunity? No, no, not that thing. Aren't they COVID proof in some weird way we can't define naturally? <laughs> I can't, you I mean, these people are real. Somebody actually wrote this and walked away thinking, I mean, really? Are some people naturally COVID-proof? Yeah. Yeah, guys. It's called natural immunity. It's been there since the beginning of the human species. But let's dive into this by, you know, some experimental new thing that might be because of the injections. I mean, how, this is pathetic. All of this is pathetic. Scientists around the world, they say, are studying the phenomenon of health workers and others who are regularly exposed to the disease, but have yet to become infected. Isn't that strange? Well, no, not really, because there's obvious reasons why that makes sense, including the fact that we've shown you from the beginning of this, actually, this is the first one. This goes all the way back to July 15, 2020. Nature, highly regarded peer-reviewed outlet of scientific publications saying they researched this, SARS-CoV-2 specific T-cell immunity, in cases of COVID-19 and SARS, so people that have previous COVID-19, so they're telling you, first of all, that if you get COVID, you make T-cell immunity, which is not what's happening in the injection side. SARS, you also happen to make immunity to COVID-19 if you've had previously had SARS. Why aren't we factoring that in? There's a lot of people out there that have had SARS. Does that not matter? That's what they're telling you. It doesn't matter. We don't care about natural immunity. But they also found it unexpectedly in their control group. In July 
of 2020. We're just finding this, really getting into this whole thing. And they're like, look, these guys have na- a natural immunity in a group that weren't supposed to be infected or anything. And what they, they discussed were things like SARS, cold, or maybe they had COVID and it was around before we knew it. However you slice this, people had, and long before we got here, had natural immunity. So is that why? Possibly. How about we ask that question? Is it, are these healthcare workers, people that had colds or SARS or other things and natural immunity? Possibly. But apparently all of these expert scientists are baffled. Are we really going to pretend like we're smarter than these experts? It's probably true these days, <laughs> not to be facetious, but the point is, guys, these experts are either lying to you because they know that's there and they don't want to talk about it and they go, wonder what's causing this. Or they're that stupid. That they can't, like, the first thing you should do when going, maybe there's something with that, is to look up the peer-reviewed studies that are saying that. Here's another one. March 15th, 2021, JCI Insight. A majority of uninfected adults in March of 2021 already showed pre-existing antibody reactivity. So make sure you understand what that's saying. Uninfected. People that have never had COVID-19, in fact, a majority of American adults who had never been infected, already somehow magically had COVID-19 antibodies. Why didn't that matter? If we're trusting the science, we should have been like, stop everything. Put everything on hold right now because a majority of adults already have immunity. That's what that says, guys. That's not hard to understand. They just pretended like it didn't matter. They pretended like we didn't care. It's undefined, whatever they said. So a majority of adults already had antibodies. Even their uninfected controls were seemingly showing T-cell immunity. So let's go back to their experts and their baffling confusion. Scientists around the world are studying the phenomenon of health workers somehow being immune to this. We don't know. Mounting evidence that people are naturally resistant to COVID and its mutations. (laughs) Guys, it's just so silly. They're trying to act like this is, look, this is one theory is that they have previously recovered from different coronaviruses. Oh, is that a theory? No, that's been proven out by peer-reviewed research. But let's pretend like that's not happening. Experts hope they can help create variant-proof vaccines. You see, so instead of trying to suss out why they don't need vaccines, we're going to go, let's take this and jam it into the vaccine argument. It's a common yet curious tale, a household hit by COVID, but one family member never tests positive or gets so much as a sniffle. Now, could that be natural immunity? Yeah. Or it could be, to many people's argument, that this is not even something that's happening. And this is an example of people that are hypochondriac or or psychosomatically telling themselves they have the flu or they've got pneumonia or whatever else is spreading. Or maybe it was something that was put. The point is, we don't know. And there's obvious examples of why you could argue that this could be an illusion based on things we've proven are illusions. Like the COVID death in children or the hospitalization in children or the hospitalization numbers in general. How they keep getting caught lying. Or how about in the beginning when they got caught lying about the positivity of their testing? Or so we, we, by the way, that was because they were getting lots of money and resources from it, but there was 99% positive results. And that means they were saying 99% of people coming in were testing positive. And then when they got called on it, it was actually, oh, excuse me, it was 3%. You remember that? And nobody cared that they went from three, 99% to 3%. Sort of like when they said 73% of the cases are Omicron. And then it was, oh, excuse me, it's only 23%. That was the CDC. That just happened. These are lies, guys. Lies are wild incompetence. And we just keep going. Meanwhile, there are those who have had COVID and, ha- and, and been double jabbed and boosted and yet still pick up the virus again. And now I, that's not what's happening in my opinion. If they have already gotten sick and then caught it again, my opinion is because they got the injection, which removed the antibodies from their blood. We'll get to that in a second. As infectious infections continue to soar, 
with Omicron. An astonishing one in 25 people in England have COVID, according to the new natural statistics. Now, what does that tell you? One in 25 people have it, but are they are they just incapacitated? Are people collapsing in the streets? No, because it's not dangerous. People are it's spreading. So we're told anyway, if you believe that's what's happening and people are getting natural immunity and they're acting like it's all we're all going to die and they're using it to lock people down. Cases of people who manage to stay free of the infection become ever more remarkable. Is it sheer luck? Some kind of superpower? I mean, this is not a joke, guys. This is not a parody. We are talking about natural stuff as if it's some undefined theory. Now scientists may have the answer. There is mounting evidence that some people are naturally COVID resistant. God, this makes my brain hurt. This is so silly. For reasons not fully understood. Now again, this is the point. We're looking at an article right now and these are cutting edge experts in epidemiology and whatever they're pointing to. And we were seven months ahead of them. A year ahead of them. Really? Like, I don't even believe that. The point is that either they're that uninformed and we shouldn't be trusting them, or they're only allowed to talk about it now. We've been telling you this for a year. For reasons not fully understood, it's thought that these people were already immune to COVID. For reasons not fully understood, I'm pointing to two peer-reviewed studies that tell you and explain it. It's just like they're pretending everything else, that we don't know whether natural immunity exists while the studies show you that. Or we don't know whether masks were, yep, we have all the studies to show you that. They're just pretending it's not there while yelling, trust the science. And whether they remain so after it mutates, well, yeah, we got that too, right? You know what's coming. We've got that too. There's plenty of data. The phenomenon is now the subject of intense research across the world. Ah, it's so stupid. Okay, let's jump into the next one. Here's the last one. So we have two studies showing you that people are clearly had reasons to suggest to, ex- to explain why that might happen. Here's the one recent one from uh, August of 2021 showing you that people who have gotten sick once continue to make antibodies to variants of concern, including Omicron, including Delta, which is what even Dr. Malone just said in one of his recent posts. Our study demonstrates that convalescent subjects, in this case, we're talking people that got sick in 2020, infected with the original strain, the ancestral strain, produce antibodies that cross-neutralize emerging variants of concern. Very clear. And they may induce breath against current and future ones going forward. And that is what we're seeing with the current data. That's why it's so stupid to have people like Mother Jones literally write an article that say anti-vaxxers have a dangerous theory called natural immunity. And now they're going like, is this some kind of COVID-proof thing naturally? (laughs) Oh my God, how embarrassing. Well, for the idea that we may be seeing exam- or to explain the idea of people like this, where it says, uh, where was it? Right here. People that have double jabbed and boosted and yet pick it up again. Well, to reiterate that point quickly for those that might not have seen it before, remember, we see this. Oh my God, they took that down. No way. That, it's because, I almost guarantee it's because I've been referencing it. Oh my God, that's incredible. Okay, check this out. Real time. Gotta love it. Somebody has this. I've been pointing at this study constantly in this discussion. Not a surprise to me that they would pull it down. But guess what? You know it's going to be archived. Come on. Still going. Loading for you. It's just so obvious this is happening. They are actively removing stuff in real time. This is this is re- editing history in real time. Oh, error. Page not found. Come on. Get there. There it goes. It's 
go back to the beginning. October 6th. And what do you know? Look at that. Jerusalem Post, you ridiculous censor. They're, they are removing data because they don't want you to see it. Look, you can see right here in the chat or in the, in the URL, antibody levels decrease after two doses. They don't want you seeing this anymore. How obvious is that? I love when that happens real time. Here's the, here's the article itself. This is from October 7th. Antibody levels decrease after two doses of the vaccine. And this is the point. It's telling you they decrease rapidly. That's what's being, that's being backed up by all the peer-reviewed research and, and preprints right now. Israel study everywhere telling you after two to three months, this thing falls off a cliff, which shows you in the data that it begins immediately. Within days, this thing starts to fall off. That's not what your natural immunity does. Not even close. How perfect is that? Why would they censor that? Why would they move it if they, if it's just, it's because they don't want you seeing it, guys, because this backs it up. December 29th, again, the waning of COVID booster shots and viral load reduction effectiveness. It says, initially increased by 2.7 after the booster relative to unvaccinated in the first month post the booster dose, yet then it decayed to 1.3, barely past significant. One is equal. It says, in the second month and, and became small and insignificant in the third to fourth months, the rate and magnitude of this booster dose declined, post booster declined in viral load reduction effectiveness mirror those observed post the second vaccine. The results suggest a rapid waning of booster effectiveness and reducing effectiveness, infectiousness. It's very obvious. Post the second dose. We're talking about, it says right there, in the second month. That's eight weeks, guys. And even in the mainstream media now, they're grudgingly admitting, oh, 10 weeks. (laughs) <laughs> like uh, 30 seconds ago, we were censored for saying that. Like, how stupid is this? This is bad. It's, it's, it's obvious these things aren't working. And this, we're talking third, fourth. That's where this is going right now. And here's that clip I played in the beginning. Right now in the United States, they're discussing casually whether the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth shot, whether we're going to need, that's what they're talking about right now. We they're, And we're pretending like this is fake news when we talk about it. Oh, that's interesting. Gosh darn it. Hold on a second. Something weird happened here where this is not allowing me to play this on here. I don't know why. Video is using a unique code. The browser doesn't support. Okay, let me see how I can get that. I can play the intro clip again, which gets the point out. This frustrates me how this keeps happening. So it's a clip of Peter Hotez, obviously. One of the worst people in this whole thing. Hmm, let's see. Here, I know what we can do. Let's do a screen share of it. I'll get it out. Let's see. Perfect. Here we go. <laughs> Working around it. Here we go. Okay, so that's the first part I played. I'll play the rest of it. So what did he just say there? Think about what he just said. He is this guy, of all people, 
who has been screaming down anybody who challenges what's going on, just openly admitted that the mRNA technology may not be working. Can you believe that? Maybe a combination of both. Well, first of all, the idea that Omicron is so crazy different is simply what we're being told. I'm not completely convinced this is not just completely over intentionally hiding the vaccine adverse events and claiming it's something new. But at the end of the day, the fact that it's so incredibly different is interesting because the new one they're pointing at right now, or I mean, how about Omicron in general is being shown to not be dangerous, right? Okay. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's obvious that they're hyping up that danger. But so right now what they're telling you is that these things aren't working, even though this is mild and they don't need it because it's different, or maybe because the mRNA platform's collapsing. Who knows? Isn't that just casually throw that in there? So why would you mandate this thing if you're willing to accept that it might not even be working in from the core situation, from the base, from the mRNA discussion, the very technology? He just said it may not even be working. And yet we're still arguing we should force this on everybody? How in the world do you make sense of that other than this guy is very clearly part of an agenda? pandemic, I've been saying it's not one and done or two and done, but it should be three and done based on the performance of other vaccines that we had. You get that third immunization, six So I, I, I know it's low. I'm just going to play the other clip again. But he's basically just saying that he, he I've been saying from the very beginning, it should be three shots. <laughs> oh, really? Not surprising at all, right? So here he is going, telling you that we that, I, that I've, been, I've been telling you three shots is what we should be doing all along. Gee, maybe that's because so have we been pointing at people like you and saying they're going to tell you three shots because that's that's what they've been doing. I mean, it's almost just kind of ridiculous. This is what I mean how when I keep telling you the narrative is imploding. I mean, it's collapsing in front of you. Like they're literally admitting everything we've been saying we've been censored for and slowly rolling it in just to lay it at the feet of Omicron. How silly is that? Let's play that clip just so you can, in case you didn't hear it, just I want people to hear that, that, that at least most importantly, what she is saying. Is there anything to be concerned about when we talk about a fourth dose, a fifth dose, a sixth dose, that sort of thing? And does it depend on uh, shifts in coronavirus itself if we see more variants, that sort of thing? A fourth dose, a fifth dose, a sixth dose. Well, so you asked actually a very important question. You know, is this. Is there anything to be concerned about when we talk about a fourth dose, a fifth dose, a sixth dose, that sort of thing? And does it depend on uh, shifts in coronavirus itself if we see more variants, that sort of thing? A fourth dose, a fifth dose, a sixth dose. Well, so you asked actually a very important question. You know, is this because the mRNA technology is not holding up in terms of long-term durability, or is it just because this Omicron variant is so different from anything like we've seen? It may be some combination of the two. Right. Exactly. So he's literally at the very least suggesting that's possible. And yet simultaneously okay with forcing this on children, even though he's not sure if the technology's collapsing. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Don't think any further into it. Just take your shots and shut up, right? Because Peter Hotez said. And the guy who only ever wears his white lab coat, even when he's at his home, and even when he was on interviews, or even when, like, I wonder why. Yeah, because the light, the white lab coat is what they use to make you think, right? There's a reason that's always being worn. He's always wearing that same thing. Just in, Israel's now to offer fourth vaccine injection for medical staff and adults over age of 60. Right? Perfect. So exactly what we told you would happen. They've now transitioned over. Well, first, just for the super, super, okay, well, now we're going to do for over 60. Okay, for now, it's going to be for anybody over 12. Now it's going to be forced. That is how that works.
one by one by one. One step, boiling frog, totalitarian tiptoe. Just mark my words. We're going to see it happen. It's going to shift to the next part. Then it's going to be mandatory. Then it's going to be the fifth one. I mean, this is, we're already seeing this happen. They're leading this discussion. Netherlands, as you've already seen, announced the sixth dose. So it's all, this is how far ahead this is already going. If you don't think it's going this direction, you're not paying attention. But this brings us to the point. Italy is now evaluating plans to require COVID booster vaccinations every four months. Every four months for the Green Pass to be valid. Oh, fake news conspiracy theory, right? That we're going to demand a, a, a continual, never-ending booster, which Israel's already said is basically going to happen. Italy and France has already alluded to. Yeah, exactly. Every four months. So not six, so three, four. You see, it's the same kind of idea. And so it's the, and still Green Pass, don't forget. So does it apply for COVID? If it's, I mean, <laughs> bottom line is, the main point to take away, I could talk all, all over the place about things this makes me think about. It's not just one and done. It's not just a booster for six months. It's every four months forever. Forever. And right now, even, they're on a six-month schedule, essentially mandating two boosters per year. Forever. Why can't we as Americans recognize this is already happening? Right this moment, they are forcing this thing on a, an endless schedule, and we're just supposed to comply forever? Those of us that haven't taken these things are not having a problem. The ones that are having the problem are people, seemingly people that are desperate to get their next shot. Incredible. Every, so just so we're clear, the six months, every six months for the rest of your life is already happening in Italy. They want to just pull it down to four months. Gee, who didn't see that coming? There is underground pointing out the vaccines aren't saving lives in those at higher risk after all. Finally, fully, excuse me, fully vaxxed patients with cancer who experienced breakthrough infections had a hospitalization rate of 65%, an ICU or mechanical ventilation rate of 19% and a 13% death rate, tagging Peter Hotez, who doesn't care about things like this when it doesn't go along with his narrative, of course. And here's the, he's the actual article from Annals of, of Oncology, COVID-19 vaccination Annals, excuse me, annals, COVID-19 vaccination and breakthrough infections in patients with cancer. Now, you aren't, shouldn't be surprised by this because we've already discussed the very obvious correlate connection to this discussion in lymphocytopenia, right? This is the Swiss policy, Swiss policy research discussion showing you that 50% of people who take the injection have what's called lymphocytopenia, immune suppression or deregulation or dysregulation that could last for a week or possibly forever because the study just it went on until the end of the study. And this is the study itself. You can look at it for yourself from October. And the point is a transient lymphocytopenia that occurs after vaccination. Now, they're talking specifically about herpes zoster. But the point is it just that deregulation, the arguing in specifically with cancer, is made all the worse with cancer specifically because it relies on these on the lymph nodes, and lymphocyto, the, the lympho, lymph node symptom system, excuse me. Now, what we're pointing out here is that this is exponentially worse for people who might already have markers for cancer or cancer themselves. So that's why we go back to this and it begins to make a lot of sense. COVID-19 vaccination and breakthrough infections in patients with cancer. This is December 24th. Isn't it funny how the mainstream isn't, where are they all? Oh, trusting the science crowd seems to be missing every single scientific study that comes out lately. Isn't that funny? Patients with cancer who develop breakthrough COVID-19 Following full vaccination remains susceptible to severe outcomes. So if you have 
Okay, let's make sure we understand that one in two, basically, that's probably gone up, to be honest, since last time I looked. But last time I checked, it was about one to two, one to three, one in every two to three people in this country will get cancer at some point in their life. That's not normal. It's because of what we do to ourselves or what we allow them to do to us. Now, taking that in mind, people who have cancer or markers for cancer following vaccination are remaining remain susceptible. So it almost circumvents what they claim the injection is doing. So you could argue half the country are in that situation and they're giving them cancer or at least exacerbating the problem. Then it says hematologic malignancies are overrepresented among vaccinated patients with cancer who develop breakthrough COVID-19. Results, patients with cancer who develop COVID-19 following vaccination have substantial comorbidities. So you, you patients with cancer, who you they say you have cancer, you get COVID-19 and then you get the injection and it just ruins you and can present with severe and even lethal in, infection. Patients harboring hematologic malignancies are overrepresented among vaccinated patients with cancer who develop symptomatic COVID-19. Patients with cancer at the same point, just showing you in the conclusion. Now, point is, what we're seeing here is already recognizing that half the people who get this have an Im- a clear immune suppression, lymphocytopenia. And we even just discussed the article from uh, uh, Steve Kirsch showing you that there's a 360 time increase in lymph node issues. So I think what we're seeing here, guys, is the fact that people are having markers for cancer that are just because of all the garbage we put in everything in the air and the food and everything. And this is causing problems increasing the issue. And then they get a breakthrough case after vaccination that makes it all the more problematic because of everything else we're showing you. All the antibody dependent enhancement, everything seems to be converging on this perfect storm in people who take all this stuff. Then we have another point coming from, uh, this was, I forget the actual credential I looked at earlier. Anyway, the point is, this is a breakdown from a study, which we'll show you in a minute. Omicron daily update. Meanwhile, this is from Israel. The trend that is not contagious, translation issue, but so we clear, so basically it's saying the trend that is uh, the unvaccinated not getting sick seems to be increasing and the numbers are going up. The rate of infection of not vaccinated people has dropped almost 10%. The overall percentage is 22. The group of two people with two vaccinations has a small increase to almost 80% now. 80% of people that are sick are people with two injections. The booster rose to 10%. Hospitalization rose from 25 out of 20. There's no increase in hospitalization of intensive care. So what we're seeing as this continues forward is less people who are not vaccinated getting sick and more people who are vaccinated getting sick. Yeah, but let's pretend like that all makes it seem like it works, right? Here's the actual breakdown you can see for yourself. Now, one, one underneath, it, underneath it makes a point here. The group that is most infected is young, vaccinated from age 15 to 40. The most infected in Israel right now, the most vaccinated country and the most boosted country in the planet are fully vaccinated and boosted 15 to 40 year olds. Interestingly, it says this is the group with the highest antibody record. How does that make sense? Well, because it's people who are getting injected. And I believe, in my opinion, that's hurting that situation. Natural immunity with people that are not vaccinated are the people that aren't getting sick. I think it's pretty clear. Older people and children are the least contagious so far. Very interesting. Now, before we get into that, uh, make sure I feel like I'm forgetting something. 
huh, that's interesting. Maybe I am. Well, anyway, I don't want to disrupt the show. I feel like I missed a point in there. But so basically to finish this, clearly showing you what we keep talking about, which is a pandemic of the injected. Pretty obviously. Now that's the same point here. Now, I'm actually upset about this because this is somebody who reached out to me personally that I missed. I missed this in an email. Kyle uh, Beatty was interested in me peer reviewing this, or you know, not necessarily on an official level, I guess, but just letting me know what I think. And I reached out back and said, let me know, it, but, but it's been out since November. Now, I want to review, go over this. Now, this hasn't been peer reviewed, but so, so too have a lot of other studies not been peer reviewed. You can research this and look at it for yourself, and you'd find, like me, that it seems to be pretty sound. Policymakers and mainstream news anchors have promised the public that the COVID-19 vaccine rollout worldwide would reduce symptoms. Now, by the way, that's what they're saying now. Obviously, the point was they trend, they moved that from transmission over to symptoms, and it's still not even working, and thereby cases and deaths associated with COVID-19. They claim they're stopping that. While this vaccine rollout is still in progress, there is a large amount of public data available that permits an analysis of the effect of the vaccine rollout on COVID-19-related cases and deaths. Has this public policy treatment produced the desired effect? One manner to respond to this question can be can begin by implementing what, this, what they're uh, calling Bayesian causal analysis. For those that understand that, you could look it up and it's a certain style of causal analysis, comparing both pre and post treatment periods. Now, total death per million, for, it's just the, um, they're citing that as Y1 and total cases per million, citing that as Y2 for the breakdown of the discussion. So 128 countries for Y1, which is deaths per million, and 103 countries for Y2, which is cases per million, to analyze this fashion, in this fashion. Results indicate that the treatment, vaccine administration, has a strong and statistically significant propensity to causally increase the values of either deaths per million or total deaths per million or total cases per million over and above what would have been expected with no treatment at all. Now, why? De- I'm just going to try and say it right. So total deaths per million showed an increase slash decrease ratio of plus 115 increase and minus 13 decrease, which means 89.84% of statistically significant countries showed an increase in total deaths per million associated with COVID-19 due directly to the causal impact of treatment initiation. Pretty profound. Now, total cases per million showed an increase decrease ratio of plus 105 minus 16, which means 86.78% of statistically significant countries showed an increase in total cases per million of COVID-19 due directly to the causal impact of treatment initiation. Now, by the way, that one's easy to see. Everywhere you look with places with mass vaccination are showing aggressive spikes in cases in the vaccine. All they say is, well, of course, because most people are vaccinated and there's no 100%, even though the hospitalization deaths the same. Their narrative is falling apart. Even the mainstream is beginning to point that out. Causal impacts of the treatment on total deaths per million ranges from minus 19% to plus 19,015%. With an average causal impact, get this, of plus 463%. Causal impacts of the treatment on total cases per million ranges from minus 46% to plus 12,240% with an average causal impact of 260.88%. That's pretty profound. Now, you could argue he's wrong, missing something, whatever. Look into it for yourself. I did. I find it to be pretty compelling. But it's just one more study and one more expert, one more doctor, one more scientist telling you that this doesn't add up. 
He's, this points out this is low positive correlation. This low positive correlation signifies that countries with higher vaccination rates do not have lower values for de uh, deaths per million. Slightly the opposite, in fact. Still, the specifics in the reasons behind these differences between countries, con continents, and vaccine types is inconclusive and should be studied further for more data to become available. Now, the point is he's breaking down right here in between this different things that could explain why that might make it make sense. And that's, this is why I like this study so much because he's basically going, here are reasons why this might, you know, could be poked at, right? Reasons why there could be statistical anomalies or blah, blah, blah. The point is that this is valid and should be looked into further, but it won't be. We all know that. Now it says, the statistically significant and overwhelmingly positive causal impact after vaccine deployment on the, de de uh, the dependent variables total deaths and total cases per million should be highly worrisome for policymakers. They indicate a marketed increase in both COVID-19 related cases and deaths due directly to the vaccine deployment that was originally sold to the public as the key to gain back our freedoms. The effect of vaccines on total cases per million and its low positive association with total vaccinations per hundred signifies a limited impact of vaccines on lowering COVID-19 associated cases. These results should encourage policy, local policymakers to make policy decisions based on data, not narrative, and based on local conditions, not global and national mandates. Pretty obvious. Now here's Steve Kirsch pointing out something similar. Pandem pandemic of the unvaccinated? No way. Remember the Harvard study showed you the more you vaccinate, the higher the cases. Same point. Not the same study, same point though. And we've already made this point to you as well. Here's more proof. If you can, and you can see it for yourself, vaccination drives hospital admissions. Here's the, the image breakdown. I'll show you it next. But I wanted to point this out right here. He adds to this. He did a survey of healthcare providers. Healthcare providers. The very people that they try, they try to argue are on their side of the narrative. But when you do a survey, when you, it's anonymized, so you don't really know, you can't call them out. The government and the media can't go after them and get them fired for it. Look at what they tell you. This is their this is his massive survey of healthcare providers. It says, is the current is this currently a pandemic of the unvaccinated with respect to risk of infection? 237 people responded. 96% said no. Next one. Is this currently a pandemic of the unvaccinated with respect to the risk of hospitalization? Same point. No. Almost 90%. Now, that won't apply or change the mind of a, people who don't want to hear this because they think Steve is an anti-vaxxer and they think he probably made that up and whatever. Certainly possible. But dismissing it without your own due diligence is ignorance. Here is the study he's pointing to. Here is the bottom conclusion. The ultimate conclusion is the same across all age groups as it was for the aggregate data. There is substantial evidence showing that COVID vaccinations are the main driver of changes in overall hospital admissions. Since inception, admissions are higher than expected for several months, strongly suggesting that vaccines cause more hospitalizations than they mitigate. Now, that's just the conclusion. Look, there is so much data in here. I really hype. You should go through this with a fine tooth comb. It's powerful. There's a lot of good data, and that's why he references it. Admissions rates by vaccination status. I mean, guys, this is all exactly what we continue to point out. Just scroll back to the top just for you can see it. Hospitalizations by COVID vaccination status, and this is obvious. They're hiding this from you. Now, to finish off, after everything we just showed you, this is actually what the so-called leaders of the world are saying. 
Not not saying, well, obviously the narrative doesn't add up, so you should have a choice. They're doubling down and they're threatening people. And as Bernie Sweet points out, fascism looks like this. This is fascism. Just just like when Trump was doing it, just like when they're doing it, it's the same thing. It doesn't have to be left versus right if that works for your brain. It's all of them. They're all leading you here. All of them. And that was the point I forgot to make, actually, in regard to the Peter Hotez point, right? The whole discussion of that. Where was that again? Trying to find that. That's weird. Oh, here it is. So the point here is this is Fox News, guys. This is Fox News. What I'm hearing from people that watch this regularly is that this is, they have aligned the narratives. Even though Fox is ostensibly challenging the mandate, which is just a a hollow argument when they're still pushing the vaccine, they're telling you that this needs to happen. They're justifying the need for these things, and they're beginning to align CNN, Fox, all of it. It's coming your way, and they're pushing the vaccine hard, and that's the end game here, guys. Well, as a means to an end, I think, to the direction it's all going. And this is all fascism. This is all authoritarianism. That's where this is going, and we need to see that. Now, here is, huh, maybe I didn't because it was loud enough. Here is Justin Trudeau openly discussing that everybody anywhere who doesn't agree with this is a fake news, anti-science conspiracy theorist, and we can't tolerate you anymore. We puis on le sait, on en connaît tous des gens qui sont en train d'isoler un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. That's frustrating. Okay, so this was something, basically, they don't believe in science progress and are very often misogynistic and racist. This leads us as a leader in a country to make choices. We do not tolerate, do we tolerate these people? This is the point right here. How in the world, how in the world are you actually trying to argue that just because you disagree with a medical intervention that you're misogynistic and racist. You know why that argument is happening? Because it, it aligns with everything else they want to feel like they're right about. Oh, you also hate women and black people? Of course that makes sense. Even though the policies they're pushing in are overwhelmingly affecting minorities. But yeah, but we're racist for fighting against that. That makes sense, right? And as Calvin points out, this is not a leader. Instead of providing information about the vaccines and allowing citizens to make up their own minds, they're vilifying people, which is exactly what they're all doing. The left, the right, all of it. Actually, that makes me, that reminds me of a great point. Let me finish this. He's stoking division and othering people for making the quote wrong choice. This makes them an acceptable target. It's fascism or it's mass psychosis like just defined. I knew I would lose it. Instead of providing information about the vaccines and allowing citizens to make up their own minds, Trudeau is vilifying people. Shoot, I lost the point. Anyway, this is exactly what Dr. Malone was just discussing. You become an acceptable target. Dang it, I knew what it was. It was a good point somebody just brought up. Anyway, I lost it. But there's a lot of a lot of good stuff flying around in here, guys. And you guys, this is why I love this community so much, because there's a lot of important stuff. You guys send to me. We this is. I mean, that's why I used to say a lot that you are the last American vagabond. This doesn't. This this channel. This show would not be the same without you guys. Now, finally, here is a really disgusting reality of what's happening in Amsterdam, where police are allowing their dogs to attack people because they're protesting against medical mandates.
Right. And then take note that when that guy tries to step in to help the guy and just pull him back, that other cop comes up and hits his bicep with a baton, which probably broke his bone, by the way, just so you understand how bad those things hurt. I can't even believe this is happening. Like, not because I wouldn't expect the government to do this, but just because of how blatant this is. Why are you think it's rational to sick a dog on somebody who is unarmed, not defending themselves, and allowing it to keep happening, and then when someone tries to help them, you break their arm? This is fascism. This is what totalitarianism looks like. Now, one thing that really disgusts me, by the way, take note of this guy with the dog. First of all, he's really obviously letting this continue. And then the dog doesn't seem to want to respond to him. And by the way, multiple times, I'm pretty sure this guy hit his own dog with his baton. Right there, first of all. Right there. Very clearly hits his dog in the head. Whether he was trying to hit the guy's arm or not. But then this next time, right here. I'm pretty sure he hit the dog because the dog's not letting go as he's pulling him away. Watch. Right there. Right. Where is it? Right there. Look where he's aiming. And look where it's at when he walks by. Just my opinion. But I want to point out something because I've researched this in the past and I have family members that were in police. These dogs are, are they're horribly treated. As much as the individual treats them like a fan, like they love them in some cases, obviously some people are just bad people that treat them like toy, like weapons. They're raised in such a violent way that in almost every case, these dogs are put to death when they're no longer useful because they're unable to be reincorporated into society because they're violent. That's not, look it up. I've, t- I've talked about this many times. So I think what's happening to a large degree is these things, he, they, they, have to, they have to actually physically break them away from these things when they're hurting people. But on top of that, this dog is mauling this guy's arm. Why? Because he dared to stand up and protest. Do you see weapons in these people's arms? They are openly, violently attacking people who are at, standing up for their rights. Makes me sick. Now, here is Quebec in Canada. Just a quick example of how obviously we are in a police state in these locations. Now, they put a curfew out because obviously COVID-19 is is scared of 10.01 p.m. Because, you know, or excuse me, is not scared after 10.01 p.m., right? Because after 10.01, oh, man, COVID just jumps out everywhere, right? Totally. Not about control at all. But this is the reality. After that curfew starts, just to quickly scroll through. It's just an endless procession of police everywhere. And this is what I'm seeing all over the place. Just police car, the police car. They're out there looking for rule breakers. Welcome to the new normal. But to end on a good note, there is good stuff happening out there, guys. In Naples, Italy, the mayor for New Year's Eve came out and cited COVID. Not a joke. Cited COVID as a reason to ban fireworks. You know, because that's how this works. Or the same reason that they were saying, make sure you're prepared for the storm because COVID, you know, get the vaccine before the storm because it makes sense. It, it, it's just nonsensical. The people out there who go, oh, yeah, COVID, everything COVID makes sense. Get No fireworks because fireworks could make you get sick. Yeah, that makes sense. No, they actually tried, they banned fireworks on the holiday because they don't want you celebrating because COVID for the second straight New Year's Eve. But this was the response of the people who are not having it anymore. Yeah, they're really following the rules, aren't they? 
Guys, this is powerful for me. You are looking at an entire city, an entire city in Italy that has openly and willfully defied what he said they were allowed to do. That's, this is a protest. Don't mix this up. The world is on your side. The world is on your side. And they are ready to stand up beside you if we can just show them that they're the majority. Naples, Italy is beginning to realize they're the majority, aren't they? It's time for you to do the same. It's time for everybody out there to recognize that if we just simply realize, like they did, that we can stand up together at the same time and they can't do anything because you're in control unless they want to take it to a violent, t- a violent stage and then we go from there. That, that's how this stuff works, guys. Look, I'm not trying to argue that this might not end up in a violent situation where the government decides that they're going to lose control, so they're going to lash out. That's just the way the world works, and that's the way the histor- history has worked. But I don't think that's a reason not to stand up for fear that something bad might happen. In fact, if I knew something bad would happen, I would still stand up because that's the only thing left here. It's time to stand up, guys. It is time to stay the course and to put your money where your mouth is and realize that this is everything. We all see it. I mean, how do we not miss that even now people in the mainstream are starting to go, well, okay, wait a minute. Everybody sees this and we need to capitalize on that. These worldwide protest movements that nobody in the media is talking about, just like with the Yellow Vest movement, show you the reality. The fact that half this country still to this point has not been injected shows you, you are the majority because they have been trying and coercing and manipulating and threatening people and they're barely getting to 60%. Half of that number is probably people that have been manipulated into thinking they had to do it. You have always been the majority. It's just time to see that, guys. We can change the world if you're willing to do so. I love this. There's a sign that I was just talking about today that I loved back when earlier times, right in the beginning I started this work. Somebody holding a sign to protest that just said, don't mind me, just trying to change the world. That's how it feels sometimes. You know, you know don't, 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 don't mind our work, just trying to change the world for you, for your betterment, right? For your safety, for your rights, for your freedom. And that's okay. Because every time throughout history, there will be people in the population that don't understand that you're fighting for them. And, through, and, and throughout history, when they succeed, they do, in fact, look back in most cases and go, wow. We're here because of those people. And we'll get there. I strongly believe that we will get there. I believe in the goodness of the people out there that are fighting for this because we can clearly see that there are more of us than them. And it is time to take back what is yours. And I don't mean violently. I've never talked about that. I've always argued that there's a different path for us. But it is time to take it back. 2022, guys. Not today. I love you all. As always, question everything come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, 
have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out! Do not let your voices be silenced.